It's 71 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Well, don't worry. You didn't win the Mega Millions last night. Unless unless you were in California sometime in the last few days. Oh, a Californian's going to yes. win it? Well, that means they'll just get taxed that much more. <laughs> or maybe you're listening on iHeart in California. Yeah. Uh, officials say the lucky ticket in last night's Mega Millions was sold at a liquor store in San Jose. The jackpot was up to $522 million. That's the fifth largest ever for the Mega Millions. <sighs> uh, if they take the lump sum payment, they'll walk away with over $300 million. Yeesh. How great <laughs> would that be? Although it has uh, ruined so many people's lives. I yeah. think that's an instant life ruiner. I don't think you can just go from a, being a normal person to being half a billionaire and have that go well for you, even if you know how to manage money. Right. Because even if your friends know that you have half a billion dollars just standing around, you're never going to you're, you're gonna be on the hook for a bar tab for the rest of your life. <laughs> and even if I had a half billion dollars, that would still annoy me for some reason. The stress of it alone, just not knowing how to deal with that kind of stuff, would really be a lot for people to deal with. And the pressure of losing it and all of your family coming to you. And immediately you are everybody's genie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Grant my wish, please. I'm not sure if Pennsylvania is one of the states that you can remain anonymous. I thought it was because I thought somebody in Zealionopal won, like Zealionopal Cranberry won a Mm -hmm. huge one once and they were able to stay anonymous. I feel like that's a tough one because when you're dealing with that much taxpayer money, there has to be like a record of it. But at the same time, I don't think the people should be like trotting them out there or something. Like you, you should targets. Have, you should have to make like a formal inquiry through like you know attorneys or something like that to get the name. It should be on record, but it shouldn't be publicly available. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you become a target, and we've seen uh, in the past there was the one guy who like remember the guy who kept losing hundreds of thousands of dollars at like strip clubs. The guy in West Virginia. Yeah. 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 He'd keep like two hundred grand in like a silver briefcase in his car, mm-hmm. and then just would walk out and be like, "Up, oh, someone stole it again." Yeah. 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 And there was a guy in Oil City who won. This was back in the eighties, I think. He won the lottery and he died penniless and paranoid oh the two piece yeah i mean some people say dying penniless is good timing i don't look at it that way because <laughs> mm. how long did you live penniless <laughs> right yeah you don't want your last conversation to be come on let me stay on this hospital bed just for a little longer <laughs> i can crash here right a secretly recorded tape of a conversation between Donald Trump and his attorney, Michael Cohen, is out. CNN was the first to broadcast the tape that was recorded in 2016. According to multiple reports, the conversation deals with how Trump was looking to buy the rights to the story of Playboy model Karen McDougal. She's one of the women who claims to have had an affair with Donald Trump. Cohen can be heard talking about starting a company for what he called the transfer of all that info regarding a man he believed to be David Pecker, who owns the company that publishes the National Enquirer. What's his last name? Pecker. David Pecker? Well, according to this story, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that any of this will matter unless there's some sort of felonious activity, which would involve him using campaign funds to pay for it but he's been you know nobody on the left cared about it when it was clinton extra marital mm-hmm. stuff but the payment is where it might get tricky well, it's not suppo- the moral indignity of it all right right and supposedly he lied about it during you know didn't didn't have said he didn't know anything about it during the campaign trail which of course you would say if you're a politician right but, but that's not felonious right it's just a matter of, did he break the law? Does anybody care? I think people are more worried about, are we going to go to war with Iran? 
Like, we already know all this stuff. The other thing is everybody already assumed he was lying about it because he lies all the time. It's kind of like a foolproof way to stay Teflon. I mean, you have, okay, forget the politics of it. Forget his politics, whatever. Who wants to have sex with Donald Trump? I mean, it has to be for the... Power, money. Powerful, old, rich dudes get laid all the time because they're rich. Look at Joe Hardy. That guy was like 84 years old and knocking I mean, down tens. I could see maybe if he had an if he was a sweet person how <laughs> he would attract women, but Yeah, but Donald Trump is a very entire- charming guy when like before he became a tyrant. There there was a um there's a website out. It was a it was a couple years ago. It was called Hot Girls with Douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all like, you know, kind of Jersey Shore beefcake dudes oh. that just like had the affliction shirts on and yeah. really, really attractive women with them. And it was basically a place for little weenie men to complain about like, why don't the chicks love me? And I, I had a great insight at one point. I was like, you know, girls can be douchebags, too. And douchebags yeah. obviously are attracted to other douchebags. So <laughs> maybe this feather. Playboy model is just another douchebag. Just another douchebag. Authorities say, Not the 2020 campaign slogan that he's hoping to <laughs> right. employ. Authorities say a Kogo store employee in Greenfield is recovering after being stabbed by a man carrying two machetes yesterday afternoon. Investigators two. say Thomas Burns stabbed the victim at the Beachwood Boulevard store because he was casting multiple spells upon the suspect. Uh, I mean, one is fine. The victim is in serious condition at Presby while Byrne is in the Allegheny County Jail. Yeah, that the, story was kind of crazy. Two machetes. Two. So that that means he must have been wielding... Like, like the bushwhackers. Yeah. yeah. Like, bushwhackers, yeah. Well, that poor guy's obviously mentally ill. Yeah, well, it seems like it, yes. And if he has machetes, that means he has a waterbed and a transat. <laughs> and a snake. And I was going to say a snake. Yes. The percentage of Americans who smoke has reached its lowest level since a Gallup poll began asking people all the way back in 1944. Only 16% of Americans say they smoked a cigarette last week. The biggest decrease is among 18 to 29-year-olds. That fell from 22% in 2015 uh, just to 15% now. The age group with the highest percentage of smokers, 50 to 64-year-olds, they're at 24%. When Gallup first started asking this question, more than four of 10 Americans said they smoked. So um, that doesn't inc- include jewels or the e-cigarettes Vapes. or any of that no. uh, vaping. A, I think this is just traditional o- smoking. Only of cigarettes. cigarettes. Tobacco. Yeah, because everybody vapes. You see people vaping everywhere. I just assume I see a car driving down the street <laughs> and a huge cloud comes out the window. I'm right. like, wow. Ah. You feel like lowriders going to start booming on the base as soon as they release their their uh, yeah their nicotine vapor. There's either a new pope or that guy's vaping. <laughs> uh, here's a bizarre story: a Pennsylvania elder care patient is accused of stomping a fellow resident to death. Investigators say 57-year-old Terry Heckman attacked 65-year-old Michael Zaladonis at Darway Elder Care Rehab in Forksville late last month. Then grabbed a registered nurse by the hair. Heckman was restrained, but the other man died after spending a week in critical condition at a hospital. Police say the attack started with a comment by the dead man about the way Heckman was moving around. Wait, so wait this is what I'm confused about. There was a 57-year-old in an elderly home? 
Well, he, it's a elder rehab, so he may have had oh, like okay. some yep. kind of surgery or something, yeah. and was just there rehabbing. But I do yeah, very the, weird. The more I hear about old folks' homes, the more I think they're just like really dressed up prisons. <laughs> Some I mean, are. Look at this. Somebody yard stomped another geriatric. I mean, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, if you're getting younger people in there, yeah, 57. A 57-year-old dude is capable of uh, yeah. doing some stomping. But if- uh, typically... You know, my dad's had to have, you know, when he got his la- hips done last time, he was in an assisted care yeah. facility, which is basically yeah, old folks' home. And um, it didn't look like there's any anybody capable of going around doing any stomping in that place. I just feel like everyone knows the risk. Like, when you're 20, it's like, if I get knocked out, like, I'll just spring back up. But if you're, like, 80 and you're like, I get knocked out, that that might be lights out for me might permanently. Be, yeah. yeah, my I, you know, I was always afraid uh, uh, of uh, in a, in a, if like there was a fight situation, like in college or something like that, of being embarrassed. The last thing you want is to be embarrassed, right. and that drives your aggression more than anything. Yeah, like the but, kid on Dazed and Confused. Right. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, but that yeah, that's a little more different situation. But we've all been that kid too, where you like a, a small affront just drives you crazy all night, and you build it into this huge. <laughs> confrontation but now the level of embarrassment is infinite possibilities that is because Because social media people have their phone world star if someone gets knocked out now it is immortalized and so it can't be just a story that a couple of your buddies knew in college that you can kind of take the edges off over the years it wasn't (laughs) that bad now they have video proof of you getting KO'd and you'll never live it down Keep if, that in mind, kids. If you eat fast food, when you ate fast food, did you get dessert? Somebody decided to rank the 10 best fast food dessert menus. They rank them according to taste and variety, and I'm calling BS on the number one ranking because it's nothing but sweet treats to me. Dairy Queen, number one. Yeah, that's not... I mean, mm. they do have those oh, stores. I, I know they have food. The big brazers. Yeah, but I agree that on on a t- if they're setting the parameters of this study, they should be DQ'd uh, right DQ out of the, right out of the gate. Yeah, because their primary attraction is the uh, oh, did you lean on just something over there? Just, yeah. I hit my mute. Uh, the primary attraction is ice cream. It's not you're right. not going into D- Dairy Queen for the hot dogs. Yeah, <laughs> Chick Fil A. They've got shakes, cookies, soft serve, and frozen lemonade. Uh, Jack in the Box has shakes, mini churros, chocolate cake, and cheesecake. Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. Carl's has shakes, cookies, and cake. Hardee's has apple turnovers. We have a Hardee's, but not a Carl's Jr., right? There was a Hardee's in Weirton, I know. I stopped and got there because one time they had the, uh, the uh, was it the $5 burger? Is that the place where you squirted the mayonnaise or the ketchup mayonnaise the ketchup in your mouth i used to do that everywhere when i stopped (laughs) like when you were like on the road driving and you get fast food oh you take a little shot you take a little dab (laughs) just have a a reserve of ketchup in your mouth while you're putting french fries in there (laughs) (laughs) you can't really like dress the french fries while you're driving you need like a fork or something to do it yeah uh taco bell has cinnamon twists a caramel apple empanada and some kind of cream-filled cinnamon balls. Those sound pretty good. McDonald's, the McFlurries, their biggest dessert item. They've got shakes, though, and sundaes and cookies and the classic apple pie. The McFlurry McDonald's. was such a ripoff of the Blizzard, right to, down to the name. I mean, it's the same exact dessert, and they copied the name. Well, but Totally got away with it. There's, um, aren't there 
things in a McFlurry, like M&Ms or yeah. stuff like that. That's what's in a blizzard, that's a blizzard. Oh, I'm, I, I was thinking Frosty, sorry. But see, don't you feel like at, like, the whole uh, curve of excitement, you know, if you could graph it out and plot it on a chart, there's, like, an initial spike when you get that food and when you take, like, the first bite of a quarter pounder. But then, if you're a normal human, after you're, like, three quarters of the way done, it should drop right back off, and your food consumption excitement should be way, way down. So the fact that you're getting dessert right afterwards is a little bit disturbing, in my opinion. <laughs> After slamming, like, a, a Big Mac and fries you're and already a giving yourself a reward of, of sorts. Yeah. By there's, eating there in the first place. There's something, though, about a McDonald's apple pie. Like, I can taste it right now. Oh, yeah, they're so good. Chocolate, oh, they're awesome. It's the, it's the crust. It's yes. the, that flaky... Those things are badass. Although they're, the cherry pies were always lava. I mean, Molten you bite hot. into one and... Oh. Burger King, they have Oreo cheese qu- cake and Twix ice cream pie. <laughs> Cheesecake at Burger King? Yeah, I guess so. And Wendy's came in ninth because they only have Frosties and cookies. And They should be number one. Wendy's, yeah. Frosties That's are... That's not a big selection. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, but though. when you're awesome at something, why do you need more? It's the perfect combination of shake and, and yeah. ice cream. You're getting both. KFC has cookies and chocolate cake. Do you have chocolate <laughs> cake at KFC? Apparently so. I wonder what it, how that is. We I haven't had been... pie at Long John Silver's. Did you? Yeah. Like fresh made Le- pie? No. What was it? Lemon meringue and I think apple. We you always we, had uh, a suggestive sell the pie. It was my wife's birthday and... Uh, yeah, like a you know normal husband, I basically did zero planning whatsoever <laughs> for it. So we were driving around, and I'm like pitching her ideas on where to go, and I'm like, well, why don't we go to like uh, Sausalito in Bloomfield? She's like, well, I'm not really dressed for Sausalito. Like, why don't we go to this place? She's like, well, I don't really want to go there. And we drove by a Long John Silver's, and she just goes, huh? And I was like, you want to go to Long John? She's like, yeah, I want to go to Long nice. John Silver's. I was like, what yes. a lady. All I got to do is get you some $6 chicken planks. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's Girl awesome. Girl after my own heart. I haven't been to Long John Silver's in a long time. Let's go today. <laughs> I'll go with you. You will not. I will. Will you? Yeah. The All thing right. with Long John Silver's is that unlike other fast food chains, they are not reliably spaced. Like well, there's not yeah. like a like a yeah. McDonald's. There's one every like four miles that you can count on like a clockwork. Like there's going to be a McDonald's here soon. A lot of them closed down. Over Long the last John few Silver's years. is like like finding the Holy Grail. Like every <laughs> once in a while, you have to like ask other people. You're like, I think there's one in West Mifflin. Like, okay, well, where is it? You know? Yeah, you need to have a map. Yeah, you need there to has have to be a treasure one, map. The one in Franklin closed. Did the Arthur Treachers ever make it? Did they keep going? I don't know. Weren't they the same exact store? Essentially, yeah. I'm gonna Google Arthur Treachers. There was one. I know there was one. What the in heck Erie. is Arthur Treachers? It was like generic Long John Silver's. <laughs> oh my god! So there was, was called Arthur Treachers. We got very excited when we went to Erie. No, there's some in. There's one in Cleveland. There's one in Youngstown. They're Arthur all, Treachers. Looks like they're all Ohio places. Oh okay. That name is just creepy. I mean, it sounds like a pirate that was probably syphilitic. <laughs> See, to me, it just sounds like a math teacher that opened up. <laughs> I'm Arthur Treacher. I'm a uh, sixth grade geometry. Definitely a, a kid that got his ass kicked. 
A selection of clothing and belongings once owned by the late Ronnie James Dio are set to be sold at auction in New York City. Julian's Auctions announced the sale will take place in person and online. It'll be September 14th and 15th at New York's Hard Rock Cafe. Some of the items to be sold include Dio's stage attire, a guitar, a wardrobe road case, and a painting that was used as a cover of Dio's 1984 album, The Last in Line. Additional items include gold sales plaques, and uh, that was for some of his rainbow albums and stage props, including a dragon's head. Joe Walsh's second annual Vets Aid concert is set for Veterans Day. That's coming up on November 11th in Tacoma, Washington. He'll be joined by his Eagles bandmate Don Henley, as well as Chris Stapleton, James Taylor, and others. Tickets go on this Friday with discounts available to all active and retired military personnel and their families. Just need to show ID at the Tacoma Dome box office. His first Vets Aid concert in September of last year raised four hundred grand in grants to veteran service organizations. You didn't go to the Eagles last night? I did not. No, I didn't either. Uh, I know it's Sean It's a big went. week, yeah. There, you know, Radiohead's Thursday. Mm-hmm. The Wiener last shows. two weeks were big, too. So. Yeah, I'm really tired. I, I yeah. kind of stretched it a little too thin. My sister's wedding was on Saturday. Ah, so congrats. We, yeah. we three months ago, because they, they went for their honeymoon the week, you know, the Monday after, but on Sunday, which was just, I think, a transition day, basically, Coheed and Cambria was playing down at that uh, stage AE. So we said three months before the wedding, we were like, okay, let's we'll, we'll go to that concert. That'll be a good like send off. And my wife's looking at the kitchen calendar this past Friday. And she just goes, "Are we going to a concert on Sunday?" I go, "Yeah, we agreed to that." And she goes, "You know, your sister's wedding's on Saturday." I was like, "Yeah." She goes, "We can't do two things in a weekend." <laughs> I was like, "Why not?" She goes, "We haven't done two things in a weekend since we're like 26 years old. What are you trying to kill me?" I was like, "Well, let's give it a whirl." And sure enough. It was an awful idea. I, I, I've been, I've been, I was hung over two days in a row, which again hasn't happened in like ten years, and I wanted to die. Uh, uh, concert was awesome, but the the morning Jeff did not appreciate any of night Jeff's decisions. Oh yes, morning Randy bruised the decisions of nighttime Randy. <laughs> Uh, finally, pop star Demi Lovato recovering in the hospital after an apparent drug overdose. She was rushed to L.A.'s Cedar sinai Medical Center after being found unconscious in her Hollywood Hills home yesterday morning. TMZ said she was treated with Narcan, a drug that can reverse the effects of opioid overdoses. Her family, uh, her spokesperson said she's with her family and some of the reports about her are incorrect. She has admittedly struggled with substance abuse in the past and lived in a sober living home after being released from a treatment center she's also pretty openly talked about mental health issues that she has struggled with as well warm and humid today showers and thunderstorms low 80s for the high at 71 at dve i was on twitter last night and someone retweeted a tweet wishing her well from kevin McHale. (coughs) kevin McHale, the basketball basketball and i'm like this is so strange kevin McHale reaches out so then i click on it i want to see what the comments are i'm like how does kevin McHale? yeah no factor into this and everybody's like oh man we're so sorry for you know that your friend and we hope everything gets better and i'm like how the f are kevin McHale and demi lovato friends and i'm just scrolling out i'm reading all of these comments thinking somebody will say something that will clue me in like i loved you two together in or like or something like know, that i know you're her god or his goddaughter or something like that so some some clue to the yes, relationship she was a lifelong celtics fan right. i don't know something and um 
Then I was like, what the hell? And then I go back and I clicked on Totally not the same Kevin McHale. But the whole time I thought it was Celtics legend Kevin McHale wishing her well. And I just thought that was the oddest thing. And I was like, God, I wonder if Robert Parrish knows what happened. <laughs> that guy's just been leeching off Kevin McHale's fame and getting Twitter followers probably the exact same way. It's like, why is Kevin McHale flaming, you know, uh, you know, Dairy Queen or something like that for their... <laughs> desserts i don't really understand uh, like it, it, it was apparently some he, kid's a star he's like a big movie star. his name is kevin McHale. well we're also at the point now where we don't know who the stars are i don't know anybody with the youtube <laughs> i have no idea who who is popular at this yeah. point i saw something the other day and it was like offset makes a comment about somebody else and i'm like i don't know anybody in that sentence <laughs> and it was like a big story where, where I, I was watching like the MTV Video Music Awards and like Drake getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. I was like, isn't he only been popular since like 2009? <laughs> it's a lifetime it's in a this lifetime. business, pal. Mr. Wednesday's here. Jeff Conkle hanging out with us. Mike Pursuit live from Steelers training camp when we come back. The very first of Mike Pursuta's Latrobe sportscasts. He'll be broadcasting from Steelers training camp the entire time those guys are out there. And lots to talk about here with the Buccos winning again. Jeez. The streak continues as they roll past the Tribe and Todd Gurley sets the market for Le'Veon Bell Sports. Live from Steelers training camp in Latrobe on your home of the black and gold. 102.5 DVE. That's next. DVE Sports. Mike pursued a live from Steelers training camp, St. Vincent College in La Trobe, the inaugural broadcast of the 2018 Steelers training camp. Mike, good morning. How are you? I am outstanding, guys. How are you doing? Oh, my God. I feel like this deserves a round of applause. Yeah, yeah because like you... First day. And it didn't F up. <laughs> like, it sounds so great, and we can hear you, and it's not feeding back, and we're not in the middle of some push and pull of uh, getting the audio straight and uh, Mike you have to just be tickled pink or well, black I don't know and gold that we have the audio straight yet but okay. uh, <laughs> so far so good uh, we're still working through some kinks but uh, yeah 32nd camp of uh, my journalistic career wow. 17th here with the morning show wow that's insane you've been on the morning show 17 years that's awesome well 16 and a half to be uh, precise <laughs> let's round up you know, I started in uh, February 2002, and then uh, July rolled around, and uh, here we are again, and the Steelers are scheduled to report at 4 o'clock today, and it's going to start getting real interesting. But the news, as you alluded uh, before the break, Randall, the news continues to be generated in Cleveland, Ohio, where the Pirates won again last night, and they won again in resounding fashion last night. 2-1 to one after the first inning, and then the Pirates hit the Tribe for a five spot in the top of the second and cruise to a 9-4 to four victory. That's 11 wins in a row for the Pirates, their first 11-game winning streak since September the 12th through the 22nd of 1996. Jeez. And uh, the balls kept flying out of the yard again. Uh, Starling Marte, his 16th home run, in the first inning, Gregory Polanco, his 18th in the second inning, and Josh Bell, his sixth in the fifth inning. Uh, the Pirates have homered in a uh, season-high nine consecutive games, and they have hit 22 home runs in that nine-game span. Jeez. They've been on fire, man. Uh, and it's working on both ends. Joe Musgrove, really good as the starter last night. Seven innings pitched, five hits, two runs. Both were earned. 
He walked one and struck out two. Musgrove improves to 4-4. Four and four. His ERA is 3.90. The bullpen uh, was touched up a little bit. Stephen Brault and Edgar Santana both gave up a run, but uh, the deficit was large enough at that point that nobody cared. Uh, also, the first five-game road winning streak for the Pirates since uh, August of 2016. Uh, Marte's hitting streak is at 17 games. And uh, the standings are reflecting the Pirates' dominance of late. Uh, they're now six games behind the Cubs in the NL Central Division. Uh, the Cubs lead. Milwaukee is a game and a half back. And then the Bucks are six games behind. And in the wild card, Milwaukee uh, has a one-and-a-half game lead for the first wild card. Atlanta and Arizona are in what amounts to a tie for the second wild card. Then it's Colorado two-back and Pittsburgh three-back. Hmm. Still a lot of teams in that conversation, but not many uh, games separating the Pirates from the postseason right now. You know, uh, there was something Joe Block tweeted out last night about the run differential that they've had in this streak being the most they've had in 50 years. How did the offense turn on? You, you know, if you look at it individually, Gregory Polanco made a little bit of an adjustment and got off the plate when he was struggling. Right, I remember chronicling that, yeah. Mar- Marte got a few days off at one point and then, and then came back and has been Marte ever since. Uh, Corey Dickerson started, uh, as he told us a couple days ago, uh, he started deciding not to strike out and choking up and, and just you know, swinging for contact with two strikes. Uh, Bell is starting to come around. Uh, Diaz has been hitting all year. Moran has been pretty steady all year. Uh, now Josh Harrison is back. Uh, we were talking earlier in the season about how we liked the lineup because it, it appeared to be longer this year. It looked like they had a mm-hmm. little more punch, and they were we thought they were going to score some runs. I don't think anybody saw this kind of thing coming. I mean, that's uh, th- that's sixteen to four in two games against Cleveland. And that's the other thing is that those aren't cupcake pitchers that they're pitching against. There was against Kluber and against uh, what's it, what's his face, the uh, rookie kid last uh, night, Trevor Bauer, wasn't it? Today's no, Bauer's Trevor Bauer. Today. Today's was, Trevor uh, Bauer. The rookie last night, uh, Shane Bieber, uh, who is a rookie. It was only his eighth start, but he had been posting good numbers. Yeah, I mean the Brewers were a first place team when they played them. I, I guess if you want to look hard enough, you can find some ways to attach an asterisk to an eleven game winning streak, but. Uh, it's the it's the uh, second eleven game winning streak of Clint Hurdle's career, uh, and he's been managing a long time. I mean, it it, it doesn't happen very often, but uh, they are on a roll. One more in Cleveland today. Jamison Tyone seven and seven with a three point eight zero ERA. He'll be opposed by the aforementioned Trevor Bauer, who's eight and six, two point four four. And then uh, the Pirates return home, and they welcome the horribly inept New York Mets to PNC Park. Are there going to be crowds this weekend? Well, uh, I guess that's uh, the referendum here. We'll figure figure out if uh, you know. I think Madden said something to the effect of like the the players have called the Huntington's bluff, or maybe they're calling the fans bluff. Like, are you going to show up and support this team? Like I've been saying, to you Mike, it's been a conscious effort to just not spend money on the Pirates. People are watching the games. The television ratings are among the best in the major leagues. It's uh, it's one of those deals. I, I, People dug their heels in, I think, at the at the start of the year or at some point during the off season. But you know, what's the old uh, the cliche about jumping on the bandwagon? There's always room, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, you know, the the your girl pissed you off and you wouldn't talk to her for a long time, and finally you said, "Ah, what the hell? I love you still." 
Well, we'll find out if they hump this weekend <laughs> when the Mets are back. Steelers are supposed to all be here and checked in and uh, ready to go by 4 o'clock today. They're going to do their uh, annual camp opening uh, conditioning stuff at the start, and then we'll hear from Mike Tomlin late this afternoon. Terrell Edmonds, the number one pick from Virginia Tech, uh, will be among them. He uh, finally signed his contract yesterday, uh, a reported four-year deal worth over just over $10.8 million with uh, a $6 million signing bonus. But uh, just as interesting, if not more so, the extension that the Rams gave Todd Gurley. Uh, that's reportedly a four-year deal worth as much as $60 million with $45 million guaranteed. Uh, Le'Veon Bell tweeting about that uh, yesterday. He seems to think that the money the Rams gave Gurley justifies what uh, he was asking for. Now, uh Doing the math on Gurley, uh, four years worth as much as sixteen million. That could be fifteen million a year, right? Could. Uh, if Le'Veon Bell was asking for seventeen, uh, I don't know that uh, this justifies that kind of request. Gurley's twenty-three. Uh, Bell is twenty-six. Were you surprised he got that big of a contract this early in his career? A little bit, yeah. Uh, he wasn't. Uh, they they didn't need to do that yet, but uh, right. He had uh, 1,305 rushing yards last year, averaged 4.7 a carry, 13 touchdowns. Bell had uh, 1,291 yards, averaged four yards a carry, and nine rushing touchdowns. Receiving, Todd Gurley doesn't call himself a receiver, but he gained 788 yards on 64 catches. That's a 12.3 average, six TDs. Bell had 85 catches, which is a lot, but 655 yards. 7.7 7.7 per and just two receiving touchdowns. I still think Le'Veon Bell is the better back, but Gurley is certainly right there with him. But uh, this whole uh, I'm also a receiver thing, I'm just not buying that argument. If you're a complete back, you also catch the ball. Right. Uh, if you if you can catch the ball, you can be a three-down back. They don't take you out on third down, and you have an opportunity to catch the ball. As far as the ability to do both, Hey, Le'Veon, that's what the $14 million's for. <laughs> yeah. I, I still don't think it's wise of him to risk injury it, it, by not accepting this contract. I guess it, Gurley gets 45 guaranteed. Le'Veon's would have been pretty much guaranteed. I mean, what are they going to do? Sign him to a, a huge deal and then cut him this year or cut him next year? It would, it would involve cutting him next year, which I guess an injury would preclude him from... Uh, you know, like if there was a career ender, maybe like a catastrophic injury. Yeah, it wouldn't even ju- just a blown out, you know, ankle or you know, a right. high ankle sprain or something like that that you could come back from. Whereas if he got another ACL or something like that, then the next team that might be looking to invest in him, they're not going to give him Todd Gurley money, much less Todd Gurley plus Antonio Brown money. Not coming off a major knee surgery. Yeah, right. So that's the think. risk that I don't understand why he's he's undertaking that. It, it seems unnecessary. Yeah, I just think he's got it in his head that this is what he wants to do, and he wants to be that guy and, and set the bar. And I think you know, he might prove us wrong. Who knows? Oh, I think a year from now he'll he'll get it from somebody. But uh, the you know the way the Steelers are operating under the salary cap, they're paying a lot. They have a lot of players they think are very good, and they're trying to pay as many of them mm-hmm. as they can. And uh, I can't see you know paying a running back seventeen, eighteen, nineteen a year. Uh, you know, at least not, not in this climate. Maybe if the if the cap continues to rise, as most people expect it will, but that's uh, that's going to be years down the road. He he's got to understand, Le'Veon Bell does that. 
there's a reason he's all pro, and there's a reason they were giving him the money that, that they were offering him, and that's because he is versatile. You can't say, well, I, I'm a running back, I run, I catch the ball, I'm also a receiver. That's just uh, – I, I, I'm not buying that argument. Also, uh, you know, he's been suspended twice. The dude cuts rap albums with Wiz Khalifa, who, you know, shaking his hand could get you a drug suspension. <laughs> You know, he, there's a risk there as well. He's made himself vulnerable in that regard. I just don't think he's had good, good, uh, good guidance. I don't think it's going to affect his play, but I want I worry about uh, the injury aspect of it. Uh, I, I, you know, you know, guys go through training camp and they they practice every practice and they still get hurt. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't have any uh, hard and fast uh, percentages to give you in terms of what he's risking, but I just. I thought that was fortunate the way last year worked out that he would that he would miss everything, come back, get off to a relatively slow start, and then just all of a sudden, hey, uh, pick up where you left off uh, as if nothing had changed. Maybe he'll do it again. Maybe he's just one of those rare guys that uh, you know he works out hard enough on his own that he doesn't need practice. But uh, we'll see. It's uh, I think everybody's pretty convinced that this is his last season with the Steelers, so I guess we can say today that he officially begins missing his last camp with the Steelers. That is nice. That's just something to commemorate. Mike Pursuit, live from Steelers <laughs> training camp. We'll have more next hour coming up. Val's got news, top of the hour. What do you got? How is your job making you fat? We'll talk about it coming up. Warm and humid showers and thunderstorms. Low 80s today at 72 at DVE. Comedian, rocker, podcaster, Dean Delray, 915. Mark Madden in the 9 o'clock hour as well. That's coming up. The DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman and Val Porter. Bill Crawford on vacation. Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, hanging out with us here this morning. And um, there's been an, uh, an NPR kerfuffle on Mount Washington. Oh, no. <laughs> Host Steve Inskeep. He's a Pittsburgher originally. I think he does the morning show for NPR, yeah. but I'm not 100% sure. He uh, tweeted out this past weekend. He was on Mount Washington. Pittsburgh restaurant turned us away because they don't allow children. This worked out well because I no longer want to allow them my money. He followed up by saying that he went to the Bigham Tavern, which is down the street. By the way, Bigham Tavern, awesome. Love that place. I don't know if you've been there. Burgers there are great. So. It's a great place to watch a game. Yeah. Like. Awesome place to watch a game. Uh, but it's also a good neighborhood, you know, family restaurant kind of place. Mm-hmm. So he, he touts the, all the great stuff they did at the Bigham Tavern, and rightly so. But then that got a lot of people talking, and it reignited the controversy over whether it's okay for a restaurant to have a policy against allowing children. Remember the guy, out, was it Plum? It was, I think it was out on 51 somewhere. I wonder but if, it he's been still, if he still bans kids. Because that was a national story. His head, like he had like a sign out front, didn't he? <laughs> he was like, "No kids, dude." But that's the way to do it. See, this this is what I think gets people hacked off, especially parents. Is that it, if you're going to have that policy, you need to let us know beforehand. Because if I'm building my night around going to this restaurant, I don't know you don't allow kids, and I'm taking my kids. Well, now I'm really sol because I'm mm-hmm. abandoned right here. I am totally fine if that's your policy. Cool, but I just don't want to build my plan around it. Then get to the to the door yes. and then get turned away. So you're not offended as a parent that people don't want kids. You just want. To I don't know want about kids it. eating with me. <laughs> nah, nobody does if you don't no. have to. I mean, taking a kid out to a restaurant is is way more exhausting. Like people think, like, oh, it'll be a nice treat. It'll be relaxing. It is not. It's 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 way worse because like. You don't have. You're not on your home court, right? You know, you don't have your, you know, little baby yogurt that you can get in your cabinet or anything like that. You're completely, or yeah, you're completely out in the wild. 
The here's what happened to the guy. All right, it's been reported that it was the Grandview Saloon or Coal Fired, whatever the hell it's called now up there on on Grandview, right next to the incline. If if I have to guess, it's impossible to park up there. All right, there's a parking lot right across the street. It's super expensive. So at first blush, everyone's like, "No way." And then they drive around because right. they don't know Mount like, Washington, and they're like, there has to be something up here. Now, right. I lived on Mount Washington for a long time. I know Mount Washington pretty good. I know I could find a parking space because I know where a few hidden nooks and crannies are. But to the average Joe going up there- Out of towner. Out of towner, it's impossible. So they probably drove around for a while, and then finally they're like, F it. And then they paid like $15 to park in that parking lot. And the reason it's jacked up is because it's Mount Washington. People go up there for the view. Limited real estate up there. Right. So they probably paid all this money, have probably had two carloads of kids, and got everyone together. Like, let's go. And they're probably all pissed off after they've been driving around (laughs) looking for a parking spot. They get the kids across the street, which is also no easy task, because cars do come flying through there, believe it or not. And then they finally get everyone together to the door and then probably let out a big sigh as they met the the host or hostess. (sighs) Okay. Hi. We'd like a table for eight. We don't allow kids here. Are you effing yeah, kidding that's me? That's exactly what I think happened. That is exactly what I think happened. So he took his rage out in a tweet that is being interpreted as nerd radio guy <laughs> <laughs> mad that cool place doesn't allow his kids. Well, that's the thing I don't get. Like, so, and, and this is endemic of just Twitter in general, but, you know, a, a, what turns out to be a minor inconvenience, you know, when you're a, a, a personality, you tweeting it out and saying, like, this place sucks or blah, 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 is so overly vindictive because what are you owed by that establishment? Right. You've never even been there. You're not a, you're not a regular customer. Thing. Like, they don't owe you anything. So, like, he's trying to kind of exact revenge on, uh, on a place that he has no relationship with or yeah. prior relationship. Well, with. he didn't name it, but it was but a very passive-aggressive swipe. Super passive-aggressive. Yeah. Because now you're not, now he can be both not on the hook for naming the restaurant, but then the the whole Twitter army then deduces who it was, and you still get the result out of it, the the pariah status. Uh, I don't know. I know Val. You probably, if you had your druthers, would be a okay with walking into a place. It was like no kids will be here. I don't mind kids being in restaurants as long as the parents don't let them run wild. Right. Like when they're running around the restaurant getting underfoot of servers and pe- that's well, that's what I have an issue with. If there's a kid in a restaurant, who cares? That's it. My wife just has a super short like keeps them on like a way short leash when it comes to that stuff. Like you're basically allowed three strikes. And it's <laughs> it, it could even just be like you yelling like you're like ah, that's one strike. Ah, that's two strikes. One more. We're out in the parking lot, bro. Come on. Like, you know, pull it together. Yeah, I, I mean, do you agree with me? I do, 100%. But I don't know where I'm allowed to stop implementing that policy. Because on a plane... You want it in movie theaters? I and, want it everywhere. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was flying uh, last month, and there was a lady behind me with... I don't know, the kid was five. And the kid was yelling everything, and the mother was going, remember what we said about raising our voices? <laughs> and and then, but she answered the question, like the kid would yell, or, or like she was like playing with the kid while he was yelling for 90 minutes, just nonstop screaming behind me. So I had my earplugs in, and I was like, I mean, I'm, 
it's not like I, I would never in a million years say anything. And it's not that big of <laughs> on know, a plane. A, you don't have it's any. It's just choice. annoying. And I and then I'm just asking myself as it's all going on, how far would I let the kid go here? Because kids going ah, and she's like no, no. Everything it's was like, so nice. See, and she like, was think like, about it. There is no way. Like, even if you were pushed to your max and ended up saying, like, excuse me or something like that, there's no way you come out looking oh my God, like, no. the, good like the good guy. No, in a million years, I would never say anything. I mean, I, everybody's had kids kick their chairs or whatever. Like, you know, yeah. you can't say anything. You just have to be like, the kids. But it's the parents who aren't looking after them at all, I think. They're right. Right, but everyone it. has different tolerances for what annoys them. So... As as a parent, I've become dullened to the things that are <laughs> annoying to you know the the public at large. Yeah. That's why kids say dad a thousand times. Yeah, and, dad, and, dad, and dad. I can dad. take you know I can take you know it's like taking you know getting conditioned to body punches. I could take four hundred <laughs> dads you know right out of the gate and not phase it at all whatsoever. Yeah. But somebody else might be annoyed for me. No, knowing that I maybe they don't think I've built up enough uh, you know tolerance or something like that. I just I wanted the lady to just be like, hey, enough. That, you know, something like that. Yeah. But I don't know how effective that was for me when I was a kid. <laughs> but, like, I was more annoyed with her parenting style. I'm like, oh, this positivity's really working out for you, lady. <laughs> You're not pissed at the kid. No. You're pissed at the adult. Absolutely. In, in, in our defense, like, uh, especially on a plane, like, <laughs> well, what do you, you want me to do? do like, cover his mouth? Like, he's like, yeah. dad, dad. That's you know, a like, situation. Do I don't know. Either. Just say, hey, wait, hey, hey. You know, you keep acting like this when we're we not land, going to Disney. Uh, yeah, no more good stuff. You know, or you, you know, you're not going to be able to do this. Something. No Threaten the kid. Blackmail. Right. Do all the things our parents. See, the did. only thing you could probably get away with is, is as soon as the mom's not looking, you turn around and you look at the kid and you're just like, if you don't be quiet, the pterodactyl's <laughs> going to eat the plane. <laughs> it was my wife's birthday, and uh, yeah, like a you know normal husband, I basically did zero planning whatsoever for it. <laughs> We drove by a Long John Silver's, and she just goes, huh? I was like, you want to go to Long John? She's like, yeah, I want to go to Long nice. John Silver's. I was like, what yes. a lady. The All thing right. with Long John Silver's is that unlike other fast food chains, they are not reliably spaced. Like, well, there's not yeah. like a, like a yeah. McDonald's, there's one every like four miles that you can count on like a clockwork. A lot of them closed down. Over Long the last John few Silver's years. is like, like finding the Holy Grail like every <laughs> once in a while. You have to like ask other people, you're like, I think there's one in West Mifflin. Did the Arthur Treachers ever make it? Did they keep going? I don't know. Weren't they the same exact store? Essentially, yeah. That name is just creepy. I mean, it sounds like a pirate that was probably syphilitic. <laughs> See, to me, it just sounds like a math teacher that opened up. <laughs> I'm Arthur Treacher. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. You kind of feel like if you walked into an Arthur Treacher, the Fratelli family would be working there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little beneath the board. Uh, Mike Pursuta broadcasting live from Steelers training camp this morning. His first day in his 17th year on the DVE Morning Show. Broadcasting live from camp, but his 32nd year reporting from Steelers camp in Latrobe. Jeff Conkles hanging out with us this morning, Mr. Wednesday as well. Bill is on vacation with his family. Hope everyone's having a good time there. Valerie's got the news for you right now on DV. What's going on, Val? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 72 degrees now at DVEM Val Porter. The East Pittsburgh police officer accused in the shooting death of a teenager is waiving his preliminary hearing. Michael Rosfeld will not appear in court after being charged with criminal homicide in the death of Antoine Rose, who was shot 
shot in the back running from a traffic stop. Roswell's attorney telling Channel 11 there was nothing to gain with a preliminary hearing beyond stirring up emotions. Formal arraignment is set for August 22nd. In other local news, mosquitoes are testing positive for West Nile virus in the West End and the North Side. Oh. Health Department officials say crews will spray a pesticide in those areas tomorrow night. There have been no reported human cases of West Nile in Allegheny so far this year. Oh, that's uh, that's scary. Mm-hmm. All the bugs are giving you diseases now. The ticks, the mosquitoes. I don't understand. So the, so the Department of Health has been sitting on this mosquito uh, spray for, for how long? It seems like, I mean, they were just, in, I know they're a threat now, but it was inconvenient beforehand. It seems like they should have, you know, released this, uh, the, these, uh, you know, spraying protocols a while back. Would have saved me some some itchy bumps. <laughs> itchy bumps. <laughs> I uh, I watched that the Rachel Carson documentary on mm-hmm. Netflix, and because she seemed like a Pittsburgher that I needed to know about, and I yeah. knew literally nothing about. And uh, she fought all the chemical companies back in the day when they're like, oh, we are ridding you of the mosquito problem. And they put out all those like propaganda films that you'd see like in the 50s, all black and white, like kids playing in neighborhoods. And they're just dousing all of them with these huge like fire hoses of DDT and killing everything that got near it. So there's like no mosquitoes left at all. And they're like, and it's all perfectly safe. And none of it was. It was all oh, yeah. so bad for you. Carcinogenic and altered your DNA. Just all terrible stuff. And they were just ramming it down your throats like it's perfectly safe and it gets rid of all the mosquitoes. Dow Chemical recommends dipping your cigarettes in DDT for a smooth <laughs> finish. <laughs> uh, but she fought against it. You know, she was. She wrote a couple books and mm-hmm. she was. She was sort of legendary. Yeah, but um, it, but it, there's an argument in there though. But like, all right, if you're in a third world country and everybody's dying from malaria, malaria, what's worse, to die immediately from malaria right. or of pancreatic cancer when you're 55? Right. So in that case, they're going to they, I think, rationalized back then. Like, how about we just uh, kill off all the malaria? Mm-hmm. By the way, speaking of those mosquitoes, you know it's Shark Week. Do you know how likely you are to get killed by a shark? Unlikely. Ten people a year get killed by sharks. You know how many people die from mosquitoes? 650,000. Huh. There should be... In mos- the world? Yeah, there should be a mosquito week before <laughs> oh there should Lord. be a shark week. Not quite as interesting, probably. But think of all the dumb things that kill people more than sharks, yet we still have a shark week. Well, we don't make movies about killer mosquitoes. And- like, escalators probably kill more yeah, people than sharks. I was just going to say, like, crosswalks probably <laughs> yeah. kill more people or something. Remember in the... Uh, like 70s and early 80s they had all those not monster movies but it was like killer bees killer worms yeah. killer ants do you remember the movie the killer bee movie when the kids are trapped in, in the, the school bus in the school bus yeah. and they take off their shirts and they're putting them over the vents because the bees are like coming in yeah dude oh, that swarm. happened to me nah what we we uh, we had ground hornets Oh. In our yard, and we were. I, this was back at our place in in Whitehall, like way, way back. I was probably like seven years old or something like that. And we, uh, we, we were all the neighborhood kids were playing, you know, tag or something. Somebody stepped in the hornet's nest, mm. so all the kids above twelve 
who could actually sprint just ran back to their house and left me and the rest of the other small children just to be eaten alive by bees. So it was me, my sister, and another kid. We run back up to the house. My mom was home at the time. She opens the door, sees that we're all covered in bees, and goes, ah, and shuts the door back Because <laughs> she probably just had to be like, oh, I'm not just letting these kids in the house. Right. Yeah. Like, I got to collect my thoughts. I got to mix up some bleach concoction or <laughs> something like that. comes out with a beekeeper uniform. Well, she came out with a garden hose and sprayed us all down. But yeah, there, there was a lot of iodine in the bathtub uh, that night. Oh. For did you sure. get stung? Like, oh, how many times did you get stung? Yeah, crazy. Like, like seven times or oh something like that. God. Thank God I wasn't allergic. Oh, that is That's brutal. That's one of my biggest fears of spring. Like the ground bees. Oh, yeah. I got lit up before uh, um, Radiothon last year. And I was walking around Children's Hospital and I was like saying thanks to all the volunteers at the phone bank. I'm like, hey guys, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. And one girl's like, why are you walking funny? I'm like, I got stung a bunch of times uh, yesterday. And she's like, really? And I lifted it up and it, at this point had swallowed oh, up over my yeah. sneaker. And they're all like, there's like some sorority girls from Pitt who were there volunteering. And they're all like, ah! It's Irwin Allen's The Swarm. We have visual contact. Identify a black mass here. A moving black mass. We have been invaded by an enemy far more lethal than any human force. Starring Michael Caine, Catherine Ross, Richard oh, Woodmark, Kane. Richard Chamberlain, Olivia de Havilland, Whoa. Ben Johnson, Lee Grant, Jose Ferrer, Patty Duke Aston, Slim Pickens, Bradford Dillon, Fred McMurray, and Henry Fonda. Are you kidding me? Oh, that's an incredible cast. That cast is insane. Like Dude, how many how many Oscars are you talking right there? That was I I heard at least like and that's an old movie and I've I he- I've heard of like seven of those people, which is a a great feather in the cap for the casting director. Michael Caine, Richard Widmark, Richard Henry Chamberlain, Fonda? Lee Grant, Henry Patty Fonda, Duke. Fred McMurray, my three sons. That's I don't remember the cast. Dude, I don't remember the cast either. I just remember the bus scene cuz it yeah. terrified me. That so actually has some woman got swarmed by Africanized killer bees in was it Texas, I think Houston last week. Oh, I thought it, I I do remember you doing that story because I remember thinking about swarm when yeah. you told that story. You know, there's sometimes when you're an adult, you think like, you know what, when, what things that upset me and when I was a kid, you know, they they shouldn't upset me anymore. I'm a man, you know. And I was washing my car and I saw a bee floating around and I was like, <laughs> well, so what if it stings me? Big friggin' whoop! I was like, I'm a I'm 170 I'm a pounds. Like, what's that bee gonna do to me? It stung me on the bottom of my foot, and oh. I think I almost cried. Like, I came back oh. in the house, I was like, I need some ice! <laughs> <laughs> Can you pee on this? I, was, I don't even know if that works, but I'm, I'm desperate here. Give it a shot. Uh, the, worst, uh, the worst sting, I think, is a wasp. Yeah. I got- Bald-faced hornets. They are vicious. Bald-faced? They're the hornets with the white stripes. I never seen those. They are. They will come after you. <laughs> so they don't die after their. St- I don't think so. That was the thing I always thought about bumblebees. Was like, well, look, they got a lot at stake here. They got to right. really want to sting me because they're yeah. just pulling out their guts if Is they that sting bumblebees me. or honeybees. I'm not sure. I thought it was honeybees. I don't think honeybees, bumblebees stung you. Honeybees will die. Yeah, that yanks their b- bucket out. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between a bumblebee and a honeybee? Aren't they the same thing? No. No, a bumblebee is the, the big, fat, big, furry ones. Yeah, it looks like a cotton ball with wings. But they those can also be carpenter bees, I think. Oh, yeah. I, I've, I got some carpenter bee issues. Mm-hmm. I can't get rid of them. 
Like I've sprayed stuff and they just they're just still hanging around. They're kind of like laughing at me. I feel bad. I don't know why, but my dream job in another life, if I if I ever could do it, is either uh, is is probably like killing bees and bugs with chemicals. Like I think being a Terminex person would be really really fun. Rewarding, for some, yeah, <laughs> heck yeah. <laughs> Feels you spray good. a termite colony and just see them all keel over. That'd be really rewarding, I think. That or would uh, the zit popper lady? Oh, that would be a nice so job. Disgusting. People are way too into that lady. Who? Dr. Pimple Popper, whatever the hell her name is. Everybody's like sharing videos of her. That, I can't, ew, that makes... She's that TV show. Ah, that makes me cringe. No, my other dream job would be going to national parks and hitting uh, mean geese with a pool noodle. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that would be the best thing. You're not really hurting them that bad, but they deserve it. Little They'll come after you bitches, too. Huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> You'd be running inside. I need some ice. Yeah. <laughs> A lawmaker in Georgia is resigning after dropping his pants and <laughs> shouting the N-word on uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's new show. Well, he made it till Wednesday. That's pretty good. Republican Jason Spencer announced his resignation last night. He appeared on Sunday's episode of Who is America on Showtime. He was tricked into believing he was learning self-defense from a former Israeli military officer. My favorite Israeli is his, Sasha Baron Cohen. his excuse is, is that the scenario that Sasha Baron Cohen presented to him put him in such a state of fear for his family. He's such a good actor, and he was able to like empathize to the extent that he wasn't thinking. He was just fearing Reacting for his family in, in that moment when he took off his pants and did this. ISIS or scared of being seen as homo. You know what it means, ah, homo? Yeah, yeah. If your buttock touch them, it means they have become a... Homosexual. Now I am going to teach you how to use your buttocks to intimidate ISIS. Huh. <laughs> Show me the buttock. No, trousers down. My lord. Okay, go. America! He's running at him with his... Good, one more time, Max but out. louder with America. America! Good. An elected official. We say in the Mossad, I mean not in the Mossad, if you want to win, you show some skin. Okay. Okay, show it to me. He pulls his underwear down now. Now, try to touch me. I'll touch you. I'll touch you with my buttocks. <laughs> I'll touch you. You're going to drop the gun or I'll touch you. USA! Okay, stop. You have to remind me. If I touch you, you will become a homosexual. And that's actually not the worst part. We can't play the worst parts of it. That that show is like half of uh, Sasha Baron Cohen stuff annoys the hell out of me. And it has like that office cringe factor. And then some of it, I mean, some of the stuff that he gets people to do is so funny. It amazes me what people will do. I feel like the crux of his brilliance is not showing the difference between political divides i think it's showing what's like social pressures will cause people to do like because he did this with ali g and bruno like people are were willing to put up with insane amounts of just ridiculous stuff coming out of his mouth because he just put them in the like really super uncomfortable positions Mm -hmm. so they just go they go along with it but then they look and then you think like how could you have possibly what kind of sane person goes along with this and it doesn't it doesn't look good on the uh, on the after effect. I mean, obviously, this guy, if he can't exercise that level of judgment, then he needs to uh, be removed forevermore from having an opinion <laughs> on Earth. I think. <laughs> I mean, at one point, at the end of the video, he there's like a 
pretend terrorist, and then he ch- they have a vegetable for the guy's penis, and he chops it off and screams into the camera yeah. what they're going to do to this guy and his penis, and he like bites the vegetable, and he's dropping this is the, the N-bomb. The Spencer guy. The, yes. the elected official guy. He's doing all this, and he's screaming into the camera, and then one of the editors gets him somehow to then go, okay, now identify yourself. So they edit it I'm- so that the, guy, the guy's like... Doing this ridiculous, you know, uh, freak out on uh, mm-hmm. pretend terrorist and <laughs> chewing on a vegetable penis. And then he's like, I'm Jason Spencer, House State Representative, GOP, State of Georgia. Well, it was like the guys that they got to uh, on the same show, they got to endorse the, uh, you know, Israeli toddler uh, yeah. toddler with guns program. That they, they all came out in de- trying to defend themselves, and they're like, well, you know, he paid for my flight out there. He <laughs> put me up in a really nice hotel room, and you're like, so this is how easily you can be bought and paid for and say that children should be our first responders when it comes to you know, active shooter situations? But there are plenty of instances of people who see through his BS right away. And Donald Trump saw through his yeah. uh, way back, way back yeah. in the day. Uh, Bernie Sanders just did was just like he wasn't having any Ted of it. Ted Koppel yep. in this last episode, he's like, I don't think we're going to see eye to eye here. This is a waste of time. Uh, we got to go to a break because okay. Mike's at Steelers training camp. Sorry. All right. Uh, warm and humid showers and thunderstorms. Temperatures in the low 80s today at 73 at DVE. Can you believe it's already here? Mike Pursuta. Broadcasting live from Steelers training camp. When we return, the Buckos continue the streak in Cleveland. And they're really making things difficult for Neil Huntington, Bob Nutting, and company. Plus, Le'Veon Bell cheers Todd Gurley's contract. He's now set the benchmark for running backs as far as Le'Veon Bell is concerned. Players arriving in uh, just a a few uh, hours out at Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Mike Pursuta broadcasting live from his dorm room at St. Vincent when we return here on your home of the black and gold, 102.5 DV. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta broadcasting live from Steelers Training Camp, St. Vincent College in Latrobe. And oh, the most wonderful time of the year, Mike. Training Camp 2018, the players due to be here at St. Vincent College by 4 o'clock today. Then it's uh, conditioning drill time, and then it's the first Mike Tomlin press conference of Training Camp 2018. Sports this hour brought to you by Citizens Bank. I wonder if Mike Tomlin will cite the Pirates as a potential inspiration for his Steelers. The Pirates are unbeatable still. They beat the Indians 9-4 to last night in Cleveland. They have won 11 consecutive games for the first time since 1996. And, uh, Randall, your stat of the day the Pirates have scored at least six runs in seven consecutive games. They haven't done that since 1946. Wow. And you'll, of course, remember 1946 as Ralph Kiner's rookie season. Ralph Kiner, the stud who dated all kinds of starlets. One of the greatest Pirates of all time. Too bad he doesn't have a statue. Uh, that's another story for another day. His this hands still- are there, right? Are they still there? Isn't there like a... There used to be a statue of his hands. I don't know if they got rid of that or not. Yeah, and I don't know if you can call it a statue when it's just hands. Yeah. It's more like just a, I, I don't know, a cast or something. I'm not sure. The man deserves a statue. Yeah. And, and maybe, uh, you know, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but uh, at least I am. But uh, maybe the three guys playing outfield right now will, will end up with statues someday. Uh, the ridiculous production from Corey Dickerson, Starling Marte, and Gregory Polanco continued in that 9-4 to win last night. Dickerson 
two for three with two runs and a couple of RBI. He hit a double and a triple, and then he left the game with hamstring discomfort. Uh, Starling Marte, two for five, two runs scored, three RBI. He extended his hitting streak to 17 consecutive games and hit his 16th home run. And Gregory Polanco, one for five with uh, one run scored and two RBI. Polanco hit his 18th home run. Uh, Josh Bell also homered for the Bucks, But uh, in terms of the outfielders, uh, these are the numbers over the last five games. Uh, they're 26 for 68. That's a 382 average. Four doubles, three triples, nine home runs, and 24 RBI in that five-game span. That's incredible. Entering yesterday, the Pirates outfielders were first among National League teams in OPS, slugging, and batting average, and they were second in home runs. The two that they hit uh, last night tied the Dodgers outfield with 55 home runs. Uh, it uh, the, Nothing is uh, off right now for the Pirates. Everything is working as a team. They now have uh, 31 home runs in July. That ties the Yankees for the most in Major League Baseball. And, oh, by the way, they got some pitching last night as well. Joe Musgrove, seven innings pitched, five hits, two runs, both of them earned. One walk, two strikeouts. He's 4-4. Four four. His ERA is 3.90. One more in Cleveland today. The Pirates go for the sweep in Cleveland. Jamison Tyone against Trevor Bauer. Maybe uh, in September Steelers fans can wear Pirates stuff to Cleveland. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be great if somehow the Buccos ended up contending here? Well, they are uh, contending as we speak. Six out in the division, uh, third place, but still just six games out. And uh, they're three games out in the wild card, although that is a jumbled mess. Uh, between the Brewers, Braves, Diamondbacks, Rockies, and Pirates, that's five teams all within four and a half games of uh, one another. Do you think it's likely they add, If let's say they take two out of three from the Mets? This weekend. Uh, it's a four-gamer this weekend. All right, let's, all right let, let's say one gets rained out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's say they take three out of four from the Mets. <laughs> I, all right. I, at the very they least. They take like, three out of four from the Mets. Great. All right, now let's say. No, at that point, you know, like we said yesterday, uh, I think Bill was saying this team has earned the right to at least not be broken up. Like, this is at least keeping them from selling stuff off, right? But why not add at this point? I mean, you can definitely make a run on a wild card oh without question and then what would that do for ticket sales next year and hey let's not uh, concede the division of the cubs i mean i think the cubs are a better team than the pirates but uh, the cubs have screwed things up before see joe madden is sending the cubs daily lineup to eddie vetter while they're on tour in europe while pearl jam is touring europe every day their manager sends the lineup to eddie vetter see i hate when you tell me stuff like this because i'm a real big Pearl Jam fan and a real big Eddie Vedder fan, but I know he's a Cubs fan, and I try to overlook that. Well, look, when he comes to Pittsburgh, he wears a Clemente jersey. He wears Clemente jersey in Europe, as a matter of fact. In that one uh, that one show where they had the big Sean Casey head, he had a Clemente jersey on that night <laughs> in Italy. So you could still like Eddie. I just hope he doesn't wear anything Red Sox-ish when uh, I see him at Fenway in Boston over Labor Day. Or maybe Hurdle should just start sending the lineup to Donnie Iris for perusal. Have Let Donnie and the Cruisers look it over and give him the seal of approval. Maybe he should just send out the lineup instead of his uh, inspirational saying of the day. <laughs> yeah. Just say, hey, look at this, one through nine, pretty good. Not uh, so bad. To your point about should they add, uh, Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News uh, is reporting that the Pirates have legitimate interest in Rangers closer Keone Keela. 
What would that do to Rivera? Uh, it would be a setup guy. Vasquez. I would assume, I would assume that uh, th- this would be an additional setup guy. Okay. By the way, Kiner, uh, back to Ralph Kiner, he, uh, he dated Elizabeth Taylor, Ava Gardner, and Janet Lee. I mean... That's knocking it out of the park. Dude, that'd be like Marte dating Angelina Jolie, uh, Jennifer, what the hell's her name? Um, Lawrence. Aniston? Oh. We're going Brad Pitt, uh... And uh and Janet Lee. <laughs> yeah, because the reason he got to meet all those famous actresses back then, that's when Bob or uh Bing Crosby was part owner yes. of the Pirates. So he used to hang out with Bob Hope and Frank Sinatra. All right, so Steelers today <laughs> transitioning quickly. <laughs> yes, necessarily so. Terrell Edmonds got his deal done. He'll be here. Le'Veon Bell uh, will not be here. He has not signed his uh, franchise tag. It looks like we're in for a repeat of last year. Todd Gurley getting the big money from the Rams yesterday, a reported four-year extension worth as much as $60 million with at least $45 million guaranteed. Uh, Gurley outperformed Bell last year, not by much, but uh, statistically he did. I, I think the big uh, difference between those two guys, though, is that Gurley's 23 and Bell is 26. Still seems like a lot of money to give a guy this early in his career. It does. I, I think Le'Veon's best window was last year, but uh, that said, it would not surprise me at all if he got to unrestricted free agency next, next year and somebody gave him a break-the-bank type of deal. Uh, a little more fuel to the fire. I, I was telling you like, you guys last hour that I wasn't buying the wide receiver argument. You know, Le'Veon says I'm a running mm-hmm. back and I'm also a wide receiver, so I need money for both. Uh, I I went back over vacation and, and rewatched the Jacksonville game a couple times, the playoff game, just to re-familiarize myself with the train wreck that that became. Uh, Le'Veon Bell in that game played 78 offensive snaps. That's 100%. So uh, I'm, I'm not trying to suggest at all that he's not an all-pro caliber player and one of the best in the league, not just one of the best at his position, but one of the best players in the league. But uh, – he lined up uh, on those plays, those 78 snaps, he lined up at running back 66 times, and he lined up either uh, in the slot left or right or uh, wide left or right 12 times. So 12 times he played a quote-unquote wide receiver position. They threw him the ball 13 times in that game. He caught nine passes for 88 yards and one touchdown. They threw it to him twice when he lined up as a wide receiver. One was incomplete, and one was that spectacular catch in the end zone, uh, the 19-yard touchdown when he was one-on-one uh, with the linebacker, Telvin Smith, and the coverage was really tight. The throw was perfect, and the catch was great. Uh, that was a spectacular play, but uh, 11 of the 13 passing attempts to Le'Veon Bell were just stuff that most running backs do, a little dump down in the flat, play action, and then lob it to him over the middle. Uh, Relatively simple stuff if you have some hand-eye coordination and uh, you're able to turn up field quickly. His best catch of the day was a 22-yarder. It was just a dump down in the flat, and he made a guy miss. And, you know, that's what running backs do in the flat, right? Uh, Prior to the Gurley contract, Le'Veon Bell was by far the highest-paid running back in the league. And uh, I think that showed the Steelers' commitment to him. He has uh, another agenda in mind, and... uh, I guess we'll wait a year to find out who's right. It's a big risk. Let's see if it pays off, Cotton. 
Uh, Mike Pursuit is broadcasting live from Steelers training camp. We'll join him there next week. You could be like Mike. Log on to DVE.com and win an opportunity to roam the sidelines with Mike in an afternoon practice with the Steelers. A $100 gift card for the Steelers Pro Shop. $50 to spend at Sharky's during the Mike Pursuit uh, live from the Late Trobe Show Wednesday night, August 1st. Get a hotel room decorated to look like Mike's dorm room. You'll get the full Mike Pursuta uniform, cargo shorts, and the golf shirt, and the Michigan State hat, and USA hockey jersey, a Springsteen poster, uh, the coffee cup uh, to be used as the uh, tobacco spittoon there for you, a whole bunch of skull, uh, an American flag, of course, uh, festooning your... Uh, your your uh, your hotel room there, and you get to sit in with the DV Morning Show as we broadcast live from Steelers training camp, and you get two tickets to the Steelers Titans game on August twenty fifth at Heinz Field. Log on now to be like Mike at dve.com. Deadline is tomorrow at five p.m. More from Mike Pursuta live from Steelers training camp next hour. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Val, what do you got coming up? Well, Ryan Shazier has revealed some good news. We'll talk about it coming up at the top of the hour. Expect showers and thunderstorms today. Temperatures in the low 80s. It's 74 at DVE. Comedian podcaster Dean Del Rey in the 9 o'clock hour. Mark Madden closing things out today. That's still to come on. It is the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Val Porter. Bill on vacation today. Mike Pursuta broadcasting live from Steelers Training Camp. Penguins owner Mario Lemieux put up his 50-room Quebec castle on the market Yesterday, guess how much he's selling it for? Fifty rooms. Fifty. Fifty million. No, not that much. No, uh, twenty-one million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand and sixty-six dollars. Ah, sixty-six on the end. Got to get that in there. Oh, you got to have that. Uh, plus, it's good. You know, you should always get. You know, it's not quite twenty-two million that way. Yeah. You know, keep it. Always under looks those. better to have right. the nines at the end and mm-hmm. not the big number on top. Uh, the Swiss-style castle, known as Chateau Fleur-de-Lis, oh. sits at the foot of Mont Tremblant, 90 miles north of Montreal. I don't know if that's how you say it or not. It has a 17,000-square-foot uh, living space area, 17 fireplaces, a theater, a wine cellar, of course, a pool, spa, tennis court, two-bedroom guest house. Oh. Now, you don't have to furnish it. It's being sold furnished. So. As is. Yeah. It's pretty nice. It's pretty beautiful. Lemieux built the house with a price tag of $20 million with construction starting in 2009. He's in Swickley. I guess he just was sick and tired of going back and forth with customs or something. I'm not <laughs> sure. I remember when Mario called us when he was building that mansion. Uh, well, you know, obviously uh, not too good. Uh, you know, this player lockout uh, really starting to put the hurt on uh, my bank account. Wait, what are you talking about? You just built a 23-room mansion. Oh, yeah, well, you know, it's supposed to have 66 rooms. Oh, you know, well, yeah. it's supposed to be a La Magnifique, uh, but then ended up with the Michael Jordan, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, that's all <laughs> thanks to greedy Donald Fair, you know? Now I only have... Ten different bathrooms to go wee wee in. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean yeah, <laughs> right. Why? By, by the way, why do you need ten bathrooms? Oh well, you know, obviously to uh, avoid the long lines. You know, like at the console. Oh, you know, oh, always having good. to make awkward conversation. You know, besides, there's only uh, really uh, nine bathrooms. You know, there's a Quebec bathroom in the basement oh, that nobody really yeah, uses. The, you know, the Quebec bathroom, <laughs> of course. Mario, aren't you concerned that this looks bad to the players' union right about now? Well, I don't know. You know, it's uh, still a pretty big mansion. You know, I don't think the boys will turn. No, that's not what I mean. Deal. I mean, it's it's remarkably big. It doesn't look like you're hurting financially. The owners are claiming they can't afford those contracts. You know, you bought a big mansion. Well, it's not like the fountain shoots champagne or anything like that. Well, you know. Yeah, I'd hope not. Oh, that'd be ridiculous. Yeah. You know? 
It shoots nothing but Chateau Margot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <sighs> yeah. Uh, you know, tasty fountain. Okay, tasty. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no news, new news on reaching a settlement with the uh, with the players. You know, unfortunately, no, no, they're not willing to budge. You know, uh, but I did reach a deal with Jimmy Peck. You know, for oh. cutting of the lawn, oh, laundry, nice. and the plumbing services here. You know, good. pretty good deal. You <laughs> yeah. know, in return for me not calling immigration on him, he gets to use the <laughs> Quebec bathroom in the basement twice a week, yeah. uh, and he can drink from the hose on the side of the house. Oh, you know? that's nice. I gotta tell you, you know, we both gave in a little bit, but yeah. uh, I think both sides are happy All for right. now. So, Thanks, uh, you know. Yep. Uh, there right. you go. Yeah, that was uh, you know a while back there. Now selling it for twenty one million dollars nine hundred ninety nine thousand and sixty six dollars. Did you look through the pictures? Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. It's, oh it's, my god, it's beautiful. It's it's a resort. Yeah. It's not a, a house. lake. Lots of trees. Lots of stonework in it. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's no Sewickley, but it's <laughs> it's damn nice. Uh, back Had I won the Mega Millions, maybe I could have. Wouldn't that have been great? If you it won three hundred million dollars, wouldn't you have one of the things you would have done there is just to buy that? Mario, I'll make you a deal. I yeah, Mario, I feel sick that you have to sell your home. <laughs> I bought it back for you. Uh, Val has your news coming up. What do you got? Uh, we're going to talk about some good news that uh, Ryan Shazier revealed yesterday. Also, uh, comedian Dean Delray, he's got a great podcast. If you're a fan of comedy and music, he's got the best of both for you with his Let There Be Talk podcast. He recently interviewed Ben Montench from The Heartbreakers. It's a two-hour conversation that's the best, most in-depth conversation I've heard about The Heartbreakers in a long time. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, also Mark Madden in the 9 o'clock hour. Don't forget, one more day to be like Mike. I don't know why, but my dream job in another life, if I if I ever could do it, is either uh, is, is probably like killing bees and bugs with chemicals. Like I think being a Terminex person would be really really fun. Rewarding, some, yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> Feels Spray good. a termite colony and just see them all keel over. That'd be really rewarding, I think. That or with the the zit popper lady. Oh, that would be a nice so job. Disgusting. People are way too into that lady. Who? No, my other dream job would be going to national parks and hitting uh, mean geese with a pool noodle. <laughs> I just think that would be the best. You're not really hurting them that bad, but they deserve it. <laughs> They'll come after you dishes, too. Huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> You'd be running inside. I need some ice. Yeah. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Jeff Conkle on the uh, DVE Morning Show earlier this morning, Mr. Wednesday. Bill's on vacation with his family. Dean Delray will be on the show at 915. Next hour, we'll talk about his podcast, Let There Be Talk, where he t- talks for a couple hours with musicians and comedians uh, in a way that uh, very uh, few comics have been able to achieve because he was a rock singer for 25 years. He's the guy when they do the goddamn comedy jam, it's called, out there in uh, Los Angeles where all the comics get together and they like play rock tunes and oh, stuff. Okay. It was on Comedy Central for a, for a minute. Uh, he can sing ACDC like perfect, like dead Better on. Better than Jim Brewer? Yeah, he and Brewer, I mean, Brewer, it, it sounds like Dean Del Rey has a little more experience doing it than, mm-hmm. than Brewer. Brewer's really good, though. Really good. He's coming back to town, by the way, Jim yeah. Brewer. We'll be back in October, I believe, at the Carnegie Library of Homestead. Well, I guess he's Musical. just going to, I think it's right after the Metallica show. Oh. Like two days after, so I'm assuming he's just going to stick around. Because he's doing the opening, he's opening mm-hmm. for Metallica here. Mm-hmm. In what amounts to basically like a heavy a variety metal variety show. show. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be pretty cool. So, But it involves a crowd a lot, so. Right. It, it sounded like it'd be like Doug Loves Movies, 
at a Metallica show. Slash the price is right. Because <laughs> I think they do giveaways and slash let's make a deal. Or let's make a deal, yeah. Yeah. So Dean Del Rey will be on a nine fifteen, Mark Madden nine forty five. Val's got news right now. What's up? Here's a channel eleven severe weather center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Nothing. It's seventy three degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Congratulations to Ryan Shazier and his fiance Michelle Rodriguez. Shazier Shazier tweeted yesterday that they are having a baby. The tweet said, the plan God has placed around this family is very bright, so we're so excited to let everyone know we have a wonderful blessing coming, and I can't wait to welcome another beautiful Shazier. Uh, that was the tweet. There were pictures along with it showing Ryan with his son Ryan and Michelle and a sonogram and a sign saying baby Shazier expected in January. That's the best news ever. Yeah, that's awesome. So happy for them. Mm-hmm. Today is National Hire a Veteran Day, a reminder that the armed services produce a highly qualified pool of labor across a wide range of fields, which there shouldn't have to be a National Hire a Veteran's Day. should just hire, yeah. shouldn't have to market and remind people. Uh, they are you. often ready to work as they make the transition from military to civilian life. There are a number of resources available to help connect employers and veterans looking for work, including HireOutHeroes.com. Uh, one person hurt after being shot outside a bar near PPG Paints Arena last night. Police say the shooting happened near Aces and Deuces on Fifth Avenue really? about 10 o'clock. Uh, no word on what led to that shooting. And a uh, post-Eagles concert d- disruption? Probably right before, yeah, right before it let out, I'm sure. A new study suggests dogs may be able to sense their owner's feelings and show empathy. In the Johns Hopkins University study, participants were separated from their dogs by a magnetic door and were instructed to either hum, twinkle, twinkle, little star, or to cry. So dogs whose owners were crying pushed through the magnetic doors three times quicker than the other dogs. The study was titled, Timmy's in the Well, Empathy and Pro-Social Helping in Dogs, which is, of course, a reference to Timmy from Lassie, yes. the TV show. So dogs know when you're upset. Every time you hear one of these studies that are done about dogs, as a dog owner, aren't isn't your reaction every time, yeah, no no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we know that. That's, Although, why we, that's why we have dogs. Probably every dog owner also thinks, I'd like to do that experiment with my dog. <laughs> well, <laughs> see if he comes to my rescue when I'm crying. I definitely had one dog who would who was like loyal servant and he would be on my like heel no matter what and if there was something wrong he was there and he was going to mess with people nobody was coming right like it was mm-hmm. he was like my protector and I also had a dog that was kind of like eh, you're on your own. too bad for you over there <laughs> crying on the couch I'm pretty comfortable over here <laughs> nobody's crying over here well we talked yesterday about babies yes babies which non is pronoun uh, non gender child babies. rearing yeah. yes and those babies had weird names. They all sound like they're furries. Yes. Well, the website Nameberry just went through the Social Security Administration's data on baby names from last year to find some of the craziest. Some of the highlights they found, 141 kids were given the name Tesla. 130 oh. were girls, 11 boys. Good Lord. I'm sure the band Tesla is probably excited about that. <laughs> Uh, 51 girls. Yeah, we're making a comeback. Uh, 51 girls were named Isis, which when I was a kid, there was like a Saturday morning TV show called Isis. Oh, mighty Isis. She was a Wonder Woman type. Bob Dylan, Desire, Isis. 
I married Isis on the fifth day of May. Well, it's a, isn't it a, the goddess of... I don't know. Something. Toughness. 24 boys were given the name Lucifer. Like, was Lou their first name? I, I don't know. Uh, Isis is the uh, goddess of... <laughs> in the typical form of her myth, Isis was the first daughter of Jeb, god of earth and nut. <laughs> goddess of the sky and she was born on the fourth intercalary day she married her brother osiris ooh, and she conceived horus by him isis was instrumental in the resurrection of osiris when he was murdered by set that's pretty much what i thought exactly yeah what is the what's the guy's name from children of the corn malachi malachi i couldn't think of it he wants you too, Malachi. I watched Tw- that last summer. It was not, it didn't hold up. No, they it's often It's really, don't. really bad. Yeah. Uh, 12 girls and six boys were named. I'm guessing you pronounce it Espen, but it's spelled E-S-P-N. <laughs> Moo. Seven girls and Is, six boys are named Moo. How's Moo spelled? M-O-O. So nothing tricky about that. Nope. 11 boys are named Arson. Ten girls have <laughs> the name. Not really giving that guy a good head start <laughs> right. there. Ten girls have Larceny, the name. Larceny, get over here. <laughs> Yo-Yo. Seven boys Yo-yo. got named. Yes. I mean, you have to be Asian, right? I don't know. Well, Yo-Yo Ma, that's why I'm guessing. Maybe. They're girls, though. Mm. Well, Yo-Yo Dad. Seven boys got named Stalin last year. <laughs> well, hopefully they meant that as an adjective and... Uh, <laughs> Not, not how it's spelled. Right, not not the dictator. Uh, six girls were given the name, and I don't know how you say it, but it's spelled A-B-C-D-E. Abkaday? This is like naming your kid QWERTY. Right, and six boys answered to the name Slayer. Yeah, dude. <laughs> right on. And there's some woman who has a kid named Esme, spelled E-S-M-E-E. She says now that uh, four years later, the name is too common, so she wants to change her four-year-old daughter's name now to something that is less common. Stalin is a verb, by the way. And, and verb, having your a name as a verb is a weird thing. Just have, like an action? Yes. For a, it just, because it always sounds like a movie title. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Stalin Hanratty. Tonight. And in other child-related news, we don't want our kids to know their gender, but according to a new survey, parents don't really kid about, uh, care about kids getting seeing people get butchered because you parents are pretty lenient these days when it comes to letting your kids play violent video games and watch R-rated movies. Is Fortnite exceptionally violent? Well, that's what they, they noted here. The survey found kids are allowed to play mature games like Fortnite by the age of 11 and watch R-rated movies by 14. I watched um, Saving Private Ryan last night. It's the 20th anniversary of Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it probably since it came out. And it is really, really good. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, I was watching. My favorite thing about it is um, it, it uh, chronicles a period of time when we uh, we hated Nazis, which I think was <laughs> really the golden age. But there's a uh, in the trivia section of the IMD file of because I, I can't watch a movie like that without like scrolling Going down through the wormhole. My, yeah, but Steve Steven Spielberg, I call him Steve. He immediately upon finishing that movie developed 
the video game is it Medal of Honor or Code of Honor or something like that Medal of Honor so he develops that video game which is extremely violent and I thought that was such a weird juxtaposition for like his goal in movie making was remembering all these periods of in time and in mm-hmm. history when all of these unjust things occurred and they were they were righted you know by the great moralistic mm-hmm. Uh, American and allied forces right and then like also here's some murder for the seven year olds right well I mean (laughs) Grand Theft Auto was I don't know if it's still as big as it was but don't you beat a hooker to death in Grand Theft Auto yeah I don't know where the line is like I watched and I played video games that were fairly violent but they were all like I mean I don't know how how violent was Dig Dug really or Or, or Kong Burger Time what's what not Kong that's not what it's called Pong no. Oh, Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. Yeah, I mean that was a little. There was a little, little violence. I mean, I remember when I was in junior high watching like hatchet movies, and my mother was like, "You're going to become an axe murderer." Well, that was the point I was going to make. Is that's that was the end of it. Right. You you stopped right there. There are people now, like there was a story yesterday about some guy who is breaking up with his girlfriend, who is considered the hottest new uh, weather girl in the world. Because he wants to devote all of his time to playing Fortnite. Well, he's going to be a lonely guy. I don't know, though. I don't know if they take that in, in the society or not. Like, I don't know if video well, games have any effect on, on people. But he's dumping a hot chick to pay, play video games. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I'm not saying it does anything for your decision making, <laughs> but I think at the very least, it probably desensitizes us to stuff. So that probably. when we see it. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, which is why when we see a guy get hit by a car, it's it can go YouTube viral, and you're like, oh, man, that guy got messed up. But if you saw a dog get hit by a car in a video, it would ruin your day. Yes. It is really easy to gain weight around here. Not quite like as it used to be. There used to be a nonstop parade of food in here. Yeah, um, it used to be a lot worse. Yeah, but according to slash better. an annual survey by Career Builder. Almost half of working Americans say their job and their weight are linked. 45% of people said their current job has made them gain weight. Over half said they've gained more than 10 pounds because of their job. One in five say they've gained more than 20. Top 10 reasons our jobs make us gain weight. Well, we sit at a desk all day. A lot of people do. Another new study found out the average office worker sits at their desk a total of six and a half hours a day. I sit At a lot least. longer than that in front of a computer. Mm-hmm. I mean, four here and then however many, you know, in my office at home. But yeah. um, that's what makes you fat, sitting around, not Other- doing anything. And then not sleeping right will screw you up, too. Yeah, because then you want to eat garbage all the yep. next day because you're dragging ass. Mm-hmm. Other reasons include being too tired to exercise, stress eating and snacking too much, no time to exercise, Dipping into the office candy jar. Oh, that damn candy jar in uh, our program director's office is... Yeah. That's a tough one to avoid. <laughs> when you walk in there, you just see, like, those shiny Reese cups. Oh, yeah. Those gold foil them. just glistening there. Eating out for lunch too often. God, I eat out for lunch way too much. I hardly ever do. I know. Yesterday, you were making lasagna... Or something? What did yeah, you have? Yeah, that was uh, like a lean cuisine or one of those frozen quickie meals. I know, but you're doing it at 10.15. Well, that's I get up at 3.30, so it's well, lunchtime. I'm mad at you. <laughs> uh, workplace celebrations like birthday parties with cake. 
It's we De- haven't had cake here. It's Debbie's birthday, so we've been we've been kind of yeah. We haven't had cake for a while. Kind of cake free here for a while. Skipping meals because of time constraints, which screws up your metabolism. I'll tell you a good trick for that is uh, just get some uh, some some protein bars and leave them in your car. Mm-hmm. And that way, if you ever get stuck, you always have something to eat. And the good thing about that is you'll never uh, ever leave them there for the intended purpose, and you'll just eat them if you're in traffic. <laughs> right. And throw 250 calories down your gullet just because you're bored. And uh, too many happy hours. I'm not a happy hour guy. I, mean, I if- am only because it means I drink and eat early. <laughs> you're okay to have a couple of glasses of wine provided it's for 9 p.m. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You you need to work it off a little bit before right. you crash. Uh, and then the pressure to eat stuff coworkers bring in like donuts. Or cookie, like, you know, my wife, someone's wife made cookies or I made cookies or whatever. The most annoying thing that we're all guilty of is when someone will bring in donuts or some other pastry and we all want to have some, but we don't want to have the whole thing. So everybody ends up taking slivers off of a donuts or pastries <laughs> or something. You don't these, like that? I don't. Half a donut in there? It's not that I don't like it. It has to be. It's kind of annoying. Like. It's a pansy thing that we all well, do. We're like, oh, I'm just going to take, this is probably only like 30 calories right here. This is just a little bite of this stuff. Oh, I don't even do it for that reason. I just do it because I think, I can't eat a whole donut right now. Somebody else might like half of it. Half a donut's fine. When you take a little sliver <laughs> off of it. Like just a bite? Yeah. Yeah, that's annoying. How many times has there been pizza in the uh, DJ cafe out there and someone has just straight up eaten uh, half a slice and left it oh, there? Oh, that is so vulgar. <laughs> indecent exposure charges are in the works against a tennessee man accused of pleasuring himself in a garage during a storm a female witness told police in the storm out (laughs) uh lamarcus hicks of memphis was cutting grass at her home when he went into the garage to ride out a storm However, he allegedly pulled down his pants and started pleasuring himself. It's a heck of a storm. He was busted by police. They say he told them, ah, he just got bored while it was raining. Yeah. I mean. Decided he would take care of business. <laughs> <laughs> In someone else's garage. That's so funny. I don't think that's what the Kevin Cronin song is about. I don't, I don't think, think Ariel so Speedwagon was writing about that. In music news, Bob Seger is set to release a new 10-track collection called Heavy Music, The Complete Cameo Recordings, 1966 to 1967. It'll be available September 7th. The collection features Seger's mid-60s Detroit band called The Last Herd and is the first time all their recordings have been made available since their original release as 45s. Compilation will be available as a single CD, single heavyweight vinyl LP, and a digital download. And finally, a Pennsylvania State Advisory Board has recommended that Bill Cosby be declared a sexually violent predator, according to Reuters. That would require him to undergo counseling and register as a sex offender for life. On Tuesday, District Attorney Kevin R. Steele filed a motion urging a judge to schedule a hearing to determine Cosby's status. Pennsylvania state law defines a predator as someone with a mental abnormality or personality disorder that makes the person likely to engage in predatory, sexually violent offenses. 
Uh, you remember Cosby was convicted in April on three counts of felony, aggravated indecent assault, in case you have forgotten. Also, more than 50 women have accused him of sexual assault and misconduct. His sentencing is set for September 24th. Warm and humid showers and thunderstorms, low 80s for the high today. It's 73 at DBE. Mike Pursuta is broadcasting live from Steelers Training Camp St. Vincent College in Latro, Pennsylvania. With the 2018 Pittsburgh Steelers run towards the Super Bowl begins. The players are arriving today and will hang out at Steelers Training Camp for the uh, next month or so. You could be there along with Mike, our Be Like Mike contest going on right now at DB.com. Register deadline is tomorrow at 5 p.m. Two sideline passes for an afternoon practice. You'll you'll have a wardrobe like Mike, a hotel room decorated like Mike's dorm room, $50 gift certificate for Sharkies for the Mike Pursuta live from Latrobe show Wednesday night. We'll all be there. The DV Morning Show broadcasting live on Thursday morning from camp, and you can sit in with us there. Plus, you get two tickets to the Steelers-Titans preseason game Saturday, August 25th at 4 p.m. This is an awesome prize. Dude, you get a $100 gift card for the pro shop, too. And you get to hang out on the sidelines. Yeah. and Not up on the hill. You get cargo shorts and white sneakers and knee socks and and, uh, (laughs) Steelers golf shirt and a Michigan State hat. You'll look just like Pursuit on the sidelines. They'll hardly even be able to tell you apart. Right. As much school as you want, log on to DVE.com and get registered before tomorrow at 5 DVE Sports. Mike pursued a line from Steelers Training Camp St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Randall. Good morning, Valerie. Morning. Good morning from SVC Sports. This hour brought to you by BobbyRayhall.com. Randy, we touched up briefly last hour on the report in the Dallas Morning News today. Evan Grant reporting that the Pirates have emerged as a, quote, team with legitimate interest in Rangers closer Keone Kella. Is this uh, an indication that they're going to be buyers, not sellers? Now that I'll tell you won. this much. If I was a tactical front office guy at the Pirates, I would make it look like we were even if we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, we're trying. <laughs> Good point by you. But uh, still, this to me is better than uh, hearing that, oh, Cordy Dickerson's probably going to get traded or uh, Jordy Mercer's probably going to get traded or Josh Harrison's probably going to get traded. Uh, when you've won 11 in a row, as the Pirates have, and it's the first time that has happened since 1996, uh, you should be looking to uh, maximize the opportunity that that 11-game winning streak has created. 9-4 to four over the Indians last night. Three more home runs. Marte, Polanco, and Bell all going yard. Joe Musgrove, seven strong innings to pick up his fourth win of the season. The Pirates uh, have closed to within six games of the Chicago Cubs. They're still third in the NL Central, but they're six games out of the top spot, and they're three games out of the second wild card spot in what right now is a very crowded race for the two NL wild card spots. Uh, the landscape is dramatically different than it was before this 11-game winning streak. And uh, what will they think of next? One more. It really is the great thing about baseball, how quickly fortunes can turn. There's... There's always a lot of baseball to play until you get to September. Right. And, e- and even then, you got a month. Uh, it's a long season, and uh, things happen. One more in Cleveland this afternoon. Uh, that's a 1-10 start. Jamison Tyone, 7-7 seven seven with a 3.80 ERA against Trevor Bauer, 8-6, 2.44. Then uh, the Mets come to town for four this weekend, or if it rains once, for three. 
You never know. Yeah, never know. Steelers uh, are supposed to be here at St. Vincent College by 4 o'clock today. Then they start with the conditioning and the first Mike Tomlin press conference, and we are off and running on training camp 2018 to kind of set the table for uh, where this team is uh, you know, relative to what people should expect from it. Give a listen to Keith Butler uh, back in the springtime. Butler uh, talking uh, during the OTA minicamp period about how last year's 13-3 and three wasn't all that far removed from 8-8 eight and eight if you take a closer look at it. We won five games last year kicking a field goal at the end. Y'all know that. And, uh, you know, that one field goal at the end is a difference in 13-3 and 8-8. 8-8 eight and eight. Eight and eight is mediocre. You know, 13-3 is okay. Only okay... Uh, if you if you look at the regular season, it ain't worth the crap when you look at the at postseason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we're all in one, yeah. Ain't worth the crap. Now, it was four games they won with a late field goal, not five. There were five games that they won by three points or fewer. But uh, the point, I guess, it depends on how you look at it. Do the good teams win the close games, or did they just have one of those years where a lot of things went right, and that's how they ended up at thirteen and three? It was zero and one in the postseason, and uh, he had that right, Keith Butler did. That wasn't worth a crap. That Jacksonville game, uh, a stain on a lot of resumes, and uh, that's something I imagine the Steelers carried with them all offseason. Now it's time for the new season, and uh, there's nothing but optimism because they are 0-0. Here's Mike Tomlin. In front of Man, it's, it's great because we're undefeated and not scored upon. Um, but everybody feels that way right now. I'm sure if you poll 31 other coaches, they feel uh, great and have great optimism as well. That's what this time of year is about. Yeah, optimism abounds probably for everyone, even the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> they might not stink this year. Yeah, they might win a game. <laughs> It'll be fun to watch them on hard knocks. It, it should, yeah. And, and you're right, they might not stink. But I think... Uh, the best thing the Steelers have going for them right now is I think their division is weak. Uh, it, it has been excruciatingly tough in, in the past, in the recent past. Uh, I don't see Baltimore or Cincinnati as the the threat that uh, both of those teams have been previously. And uh, you just summed up the Browns. Uh, yeah, they might not stink this year. I, I don't think they're going to be great. So uh, the Steelers have that going for them, which is nice. And uh, – they are in training camp as of today, and that's uh, some place that Mike Tomlin was uh, looking forward to being at ever since minicamp ended. Hey, you guys know I love camp. Uh, man, I go tonight, you know. Um, it's just how I am. I'm a football lover. Uh, I love that environment. Uh, I love the unintended consequences of training camp, the unique bonding opportunities, the growth opportunities individually and collectively. I appreciate our relationship with those guys uh, up there in Latrobe and St. Vincent. Um, I look forward to it. It is here. No more looking forward. Time to uh, dive right in. Uh, the campus looks great. Uh, everything's set up here in the uh, DVE Westmoreland County Bureau, uh, about as well as we can set it up. Got a run in last night. And I even went over to see if Sharkies was still there. This just in, it is. Oh, great news. <laughs> great news. We'll be there next week. We'll be there uh, for uh, Wednesday afternoon practice, and then Wednesday night we'll watch the live from Latrobe radio program with you and Bob Labriola from Steelers Digest. Nothing like watching a radio show. Let me tell you what, it's like TV without the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I might even drag one or more of you guys on the air. 
Oh, that'll we, be thrilling. We may have to make a party out of that. No, uh, I think that's the plan, Mike. Uh, oh, okay. And our, the winner of our Be well, Like Mike. Well, it would Mike be less work for me then, so that's good. Well, yeah, no, well, you can pretty much count on it, though I may be a little bit late. I will uh, I will nah. effort to be there. That doesn't sound like me. One night hotel stay for our winner of the Be Like Mike contest, and uh, they get sideline passes for the practice, as I said before, and the gift card for the pro shop for 100 bucks. and you sit in with us on the morning show, two tickets for the uh, Steelers-Titans preseason game. Uh, Le'Veon Bell has to be pretty happy about the Todd Gurley contract. Uh, as this now sets the new benchmark for running backs in the league. He stays healthy. This will have been a good move for him financially, though p- playing on a crappy team, I don't know how Lev is going to do. He whines a lot on a really good team. Yeah, and he's going to be another year older, and there's going to be a whole lot more mileage on his tires, uh, one would assume, uh, based on how much the Steelers have used him in the past. Uh, he's betting on himself. I, I, I do admire that. Uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's got the courage of his convictions, but I think the time for him to take the big money deal was last year. Well, we'll see, we'll see how it plays he out. He was offered more this year than he was last year. Yeah, there's some disputed reports on that. I'm not uh, 100% sure um, who to believe in that scenario, Randy, but uh, when you start pushing 30 as a running back, you're you're getting a lot closer to the end than the beginning. Willie Parker. It's all you got to look at. You think we're well, here? We're going to run the run the wheels, run them till the wheels fall off today from Mike Tomlin uh, relative to Le'Veon Bell. You don't think that's what the Steelers are going to do? I, I think they would have done that had they signed him. I think they're going to do that now that they didn't sign yeah, him. I don't, I don't think, think it's, it's going to be, be punitive. Yeah, right, it's, yeah. It, it's using an asset. Who he's he's a great player. He's he's one of the best players in the league. But I just. That whole argument they came up with about uh, I catch so many passes that I deserve receiver money too. No, that's why you that's why you deserve the most money as a running back. Mike, a report comes down uh, uh, on the AP this morning that Arthur Motes is visiting. Guess where? Arizona. Cleveland. Cleveland Arizona. Of course. Arthur Motes in Arizona. Well. They, I mean, they're always picking up our scraps out there. I mean, just listen to the long list of people who've gone from the Steelers to the Cardinals. In 2007, Russ Grimm and Ken Wiz didn't get the job when Cow retired. That's when Arizona called Wiz on the phone and said it's hot here, but it's dry. Since then, they picked up our cast-offs that we cut from black and gold to cardinal red. They once played for Super Bowls, now for retired old people waiting to be dead. Sloppy seconds. The Cardinals love our sloppy seconds. When we use them up, Zona beckons our rejects to come out their way. How's our job? Sean Morey, Rodney Bailey wished almost daily they still played in the AFC. Jeremy Tooman took Clark Hagens to them from the top of the Steeler trash heap. Then Kreider and St. Pierre took their spent asses there. Brian McFadden joined next. Then Porter and Fanica, Nick Eason joined in the band of our Steeler rejects. Sloppy seconds. The Cardinals love our sloppy seconds. 
When we use them up, Zona Baggins, our rejects to come out their way. How's our jock taste? Bruce Arians retired, but really he got fired, so of course Zona did call. He took Willie Gay and Menden Hall away, and he still can't hold on to the ball. We drove Tawamoo out there because he was too drunk to steer. But Zona, they wasn't done yet. They signed Larry Foote, whose back is kaput. That's why we call it Pittsburgh West. Sloppy seconds. The Cardinals love our sloppy seconds. When we use them up, Zona beckons. Our rejects to come out their way. Sloppy seconds, the Cardinals love our sloppy seconds. When we use them up, zone beckons, our rejects to come out their way. How's our chalk day? It is the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Fal Porter this morning. Bill's on vacation. Mike's live from Steelers training camp. We'll check in with him next hour. Pittsburgh has earned the top spot in yet another survey, Val. Oh, we're so good We're at this. very popular in many different ways. We are the top spot, the best city in the United States for singles 50 and over. Oh, what's that dating website? Your time or our time? Our time. That just sounds old. <laughs> our time. A dating site for the over 50 crowd and senioradvice.com. Hmm. That's a site for senior housing referral services. Are you a senior over 50? No, I think these two, uh, but seniors are over 50, so they use data from them as well. Pittsburgh topped their list of 15 American cities with criteria including health and safety, recreation and leisure, finances, and general quality of life. I guess air and water are not part of this. Pittsburgh beat out (laughs) warm weather cities like Naples and Miami. How? Yeah, that's a great so, uh, Isn't question. it full of retirees? And it's warm year-round. Well, it, because it's many factors, including the number of hospitals and pharmacies. We're good at that. We are good with the medical field. We get a lot of places to get sick around here. Uh, the number of parks and outside activities. See, that's where I thought we would lose some points there. Yeah, because, again, the warm all-year-round comes into play there. Right. We've got great parks, though. We've great city parks. Uh, the cost of living in the city's senior score, a scoring system specifically designed to identify and measure the livability for seniors. Cost of living, I'll, I'll go with that. For sure. The ranking is calculated by analyzing more than 100 variables to help determine how well a specific location accommodates the comfort and needs of senior citizens. Among the variables that earned Pittsburgh the number one ranking was free public transit options for seniors. Okay. You know how all those old people take the tea to get banged on the weekends downtown? (laughs) Let's make it to the lemon party (laughs) before this thing closed down at 11 o'clock tonight. Let's incline down to the the, uh, prune orgy. (laughs) The list ping-pongs between cities of all shapes and sizes. This is from the Post-Gazette report on this. Pittsburgh, number one, Scottsdale, Arizona, number two, Cleveland, number three. Cleveland? Yeah. (laughs) I love the way you said that. You said that like Jim Mora. (laughs) Naples, St. Louis, Santa Fe, and Birmingham. So there you go. If you're over 50 and you're single, there's no better place to be than Pittsburgh. Look at that. 
Stick around. And if you have trouble meeting that special to get to really whittle down into your specific interests as a uh, a seeker of a relationship, well, there are online services specific to Pittsburgh that are here to help. I joined blackandgoldpeoplemeet.com to find somebody I could grow old hating the Ravens with. You know what I mean? Someone I could share all my terrible towels with. Someone who could name every player on a steel curtain defense, first and last name. I think this is a great place to meet my wife and meet somebody who can make buffalo chicken dip for a large tailgate. I mean, I'm the type of person who bleeds black and gold. I get my whole section rowdy when we're down in the fourth quarter, and that's the type of woman I want to marry. I've been yearning to find someone that don't mind me smoking in his favorite Steelers hoodie. Someone who I can start a fight with. Someone who loves Heath Miller as much as I do. Maybe even more. Getting on blackandgoldpeoplemeet.com has given me the chance to meet someone whose life work is being a Steelers fan. Signing up for blackandgoldpeoplemeet.com was simple. It's just a few clicks here and there, you know what I mean? I uploaded a pic of me in my Paul Amalu jersey with the matching wig. I set my preferences for where I wanted to meet abroad. You know, Steelers Nation is global, but I, I set mine for like five miles or less because... I lost my license on a DUI, and I can't drive, and I wanted somebody local. And Sherry was like 10 miles away. You know, I live in Wilmerding. She lives in Baldwin. But she came up as a recommendation, and I saw that her favorite parking lot game was Cornhole. I was like, that's my favorite parking lot game. Oh, she thinks the commissioner has it in for the Steelers? Oh, she has turf from Three Rivers? Oh, she has the road to the Super Bowl XL DVDs? I was like, this girl's perfect. So I messaged her, complimented her Metal Steelers license plate purse, and she responded, and we started talking in that. Never in my wildest dream did I think I'd take a bus out Route 51 to meet a chick, but it happened, and I couldn't be happier. Sometimes you just got to put yourself out there and see what happens. Joining blackandgoldpeoplemeet.com was like playing Renegade for my love life. Did he move in immediately and put all his jerseys from Gabriel Brothers in my closet? Yes, but I think I'm okay with that. Long as he doesn't take a dump in my closet while I'm sleeping like Najee Davenport. I think this might be a match made in Steelers heaven. Thanks, blackandgoldpeoplemeet.com for helping me find someone who hates the head coach as much as I do. Blackandgoldpeoplemeet.com, where Super Bowl rings turn out to be engagement rings. 76 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by CCAC. The wildfire near Yosemite National Park in California has reached a critical point. Tourists, residents, and some park employees have been told to get out. One of the main highways into and out of the park will be closed at noon today. 57 square miles have burned as of last night. The blaze is just 25% contained. So far, no homes have been destroyed. Much of that fire is in remote areas with little access by roads. Rangers say there are about 2,000 people visiting the park this week. There are more allegations of sexual misconduct at the NFL Network. The latest suit filed in L.A. yesterday accuses Hall of Fame receiver Michael Irvin and defensive back Eric Davis, among others, of harassing a makeup artist. It details inappropriate touching, text messages, and harassment over the course of a decade. Davis was fired from ESPN in January after more allegations came to light in another lawsuit. 
Ivanka Trump closing down her fashion brand after four years. In a statement, Mm. she says, When we first started this brand, no one could have predicted the success we would achieve. After 17 months in Washington, I do not know when or if I will ever return to the business, but I do know my focus for the foreseeable future will be the work I'm doing here in Washington. So making this decision now is the only fair outcome for my team and my partners. Several companies have already dropped her clothing line. Yeah, I mean, if there is one good aspect to this, as it's been pointed out, that no Americans will be out of work as a result of this. Uber's self-driving fleet is back in Pittsburgh. The ride-sharing service says its autonomous SUVs rolled out yesterday, but with a driver in complete control of the vehicle, which doesn't make sense. If That's it's not a, self-driving. Right. It's uh, like self-serve, but someone will be there to serve it. Right. Drivers will not be picking up riders, but instead collecting mapping data that will be used to test the vehicle's self-driving features. Vehicles returned four months after one struck and killed a woman in Arizona. Yeah, every time I see one of those, I think that uh, Doc from Back to the Future is going to pop out of those things. <laughs> they're always driving around the Strip District. Yeah, I saw one the other day when Non-stop, we were Nonstop, and I just keep thinking, like, haven't you guys mapped this out yet? You haven't figured it out. Move somewhere else. Seems ghosting has moved from the dating world into the working world. Uh, some of the ways people are ghosting or just disappearing with no explanation in the workplace Failing to show up to scheduled interviews. Uh, yeah, that's a rarity. It happens occasionally. Gene Simmons, etc. Well, this is in the workplace. I mean, I guess it's our workplace. He didn't, he didn't what do you show think we're up, doing but, here, Val? Um, accepting a job and not coming to work on the first day. <laughs> and simply just leaving a job with no notice, no formal resignation, oh, yeah. just leaving, not coming back. Well, what's to stop somebody from, if you leave a job like that, if you do that, you're obviously not looking to use them as a reference so you're like well screw it i don't care if i piss them off i'm not going to tell anybody i work there and i would guess that's a place you probably weren't at very long either yeah not not a lot of like ceo type uh (laughs) people just walking out on the job that's more like you're the fry cook at arthur treachers (laughs) (laughs) you're like "Ah, i'm not showing up saturday night i'm getting loaded well they say because the job market is better employees particularly millennials seem to be emboldened uh one linkedin managing editor said where once it was companies ignoring job applicants or snubbing candidates after interviews the world has flipped well that's because they don't get paid anything there's like that that too you know, so they're like, who do you know? Go from one low, low-paying job to another. You don't really care if you pissed anybody off. Mm-hmm. If you're running late to the airport and you're worried about missing your flight, calling in a bomb threat to the airline is probably not the way to go about things. In case you weren't already aware of that, Dana Carter of Dayton, Ohio, was afraid he'd miss his United Airlines flight from Cincinnati to Dallas last fall, so he called the airline and reported a bomb on the plane. On his plane? Yes. All right. So that flight was canceled, and he was rebooked on another flight two hours later. So it seemed like his plan worked until investigators traced the call back to him. He was arrested. He was sentenced last week to four months in jail and three years probation, and also ordered to pay restitution to United Airlines for having to cancel the flight, which I'd like to know what that is. Oh, my God, yeah. What that dollar amount is. It's it's one of those things that it seems pretty smart, right? To the point where it gets exceptionally (laughs) stupid. Right to the point the handcuffs are on. You know, it was clever right until (laughs) it was moronic. My plan worked. 
Yoko Ono is set to release a new studio album called Warzone, and it is uh, and is out with the record's title track scheduled for an October 19th release. The album will include reworked versions of Yoko Ono tracks spanning from 1970 to 2009 with lyrics she believes are even more relevant today. Tracklist also features a rendition of her late husband John Lennon's iconic song Imagine. Leading up to the album's release, she will put out a new song every Tuesday on her website. The Broadway musical Hamilton might be heading to a theater near you soon. The Wall Street Journal said yesterday that Hollywood Studios are bidding on the rights to a filmed performance from 2016. It features the play's former lead, Lin-Manuel Miranda. The journal says it could sell for over $50 million. Hamilton is based on a 2004 biography about founding father Alexander Hamilton. It debuted on Broadway in 2015. It's won 11 Tony Awards, a Grammy, and a Pulitzer Prize. I thought that was going to like spur on a, a whole slew of historical. historical figure musicals. Well, there's still time. Burr! Burr! <laughs> Isn't this going on the road also? Hamilton? Yeah. Yeah, for the rest of our lives. Yeah, that thing, that's a big moneymaker. Yeah. Gene Simmons, speaking of Gene Simmons, his next book, 27, The Legend and Mythology of the 27 Club, will be published on October 2nd. The book addresses some of the rock rates who died at age 27, a group that includes Jimi Hendrix, Brian Jones, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, and Janis Joplin. At least five books on this same subject have been published (laughs) by other authors. It's a book about how Gene Simmons just learned about this. <laughs> and finally, Jesse Camp has been found. Good. We talked about it yesterday. The one-time MTV VJ was reported missing last week, but Riverside Police uh, said that he was contact- contacted by a local law enforcement agency and is not in need of any assistance. His uh, sister reported him missing earlier this month. He's just always kind of been a mess. Just an odd, yeah. Everybody thought he was out, like some- far out there. It was kind of like a, a Basquiat syndrome, though, where everyone's like, oh, he's homeless, and he lived in Washington Square Park, and he didn't, you know, have anything, and he became this famous person, and then you dig down, and you're like, oh, he was actually a fairly well-to-do suburbanite <laughs> who decided to take on the persona of yeah. homeless uh, artist. Warm and humid, showers and thunderstorms, temperatures in the low 80s today at 74 DVE. Coming up in just a little bit... Uh- it's Randy Bauman in the DVE Morning Show. That was Greta Van Fleet. And uh, <laughs> joining us right now on the show, it's Dean Delray, host of Let There Be Talk. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, what's going on, man? Dude, thanks for getting up early on, on the West Coast. We appreciate it. Oh, I just stayed up all night so I wouldn't miss your call. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking around about uh, Zeppelin and Greta Van Fleet there. I know you had those guys on your podcast, Let There Be Talk, right? I did. I had them on about uh, a year ago before they were really known. I uh, interviewed them live at the comedy store. And, uh, you know, and then after that, I kind of told Eddie Trunk and Nikki Six about them, and they were playing them on the radio. And then it just, started to explode you know so dude you did you were you the guy did you push them into the spotlight well i'm not gonna say i was the guy but i definitely told people uh that started playing them on a bigger platform you know what i mean yeah uh it's funny though because like everybody 
grabs on to them like, oh, they're bringing rock back. But like, there's so much. That's just rude to say. There's so many great bands out there right now. You mm-hmm. know, I think Rival Sons is one of the greatest bands going. They yes, got like five records out. Yes, if, if they just had, if they had an inkling of promo that Greta Van Fleet had, it would be uh, mind boggling. Yeah, they are just. I mean, they. The, the thing is, they, they, they tapped on a little bit of the Zeppelin sound, but then quickly found their own sound and exploded into a monstrous band. Well, what do you think about that, Dean, when people fail to discover the new music that's out there right now? Because I'm one of those people who think there is like more great music being made right now than ever before, but that is the total 180 of what most people think. Most people think there's no rock out there. I just don't think it's well, being pushed to the mainstream. I I don't think that. I think that the rock crowd, uh, I would say about 80% of it is definitely older, and they don't pursue music anymore. Mm-hmm. They've got kids and bills and jobs, and, right. and music to them is just really a time machine back to when they had no student loans and stuff. Like, there's Def Leppard, yeah, you know? It's just back to uh, memories, but... You know, there's so much good music right now. It's it's even it's mind-boggling. I can't even keep up with it. You know, mm-hmm. I, and I'm on it every day. I just like, wow, listen to this music. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, it's hard to actually. You you have to kind of be a Sherpa for people and guide them to the music these days. Fortunately, like, you know, it's easier than ever with the streaming services to get people for them to have access to the new music. But actually discovering them becomes the difficult part. That's where a podcast like yours comes into play. Let There Be Talk. For those who haven't checked it out yet, it's great. I mean, not only is Dean a a well-respected comic, so you have all these awesome comics on there, but you, uh, you earned your chops in the rock world. You were a singer for 25 years. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was I was one of the smart ones that got out. <laughs> <laughs> well, like what kind of so to give people an idea of what kind of level you were on in terms of professional wise uh, as a singer, like you were a West Coast guy. Were you mostly playing like uh, San Francisco uh, and then down to L.A. Or, uh, or were you traveling all over the country? No, I actually signed a record deal. Uh, one of my records is on iTunes now. I did three records. Uh, record deal on Interscope. Uh, Linda Perry from Fort Knox oh, yeah. signed me back in the day. Yeah. Oh wow, that's pretty and, cool. Uh, yeah, did did a few records and and toured uh, uh, for years. You know, as what I would call probably, which is completely gone, but a blue collar type of musician where you had record deals, but you weren't famous, but you did tours all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I toured with like Wallflowers, I opened for Kravitz, t- uh, Tom Petty. Uh, all kinds of big national acts, but you back then you could make a living touring, um, you know, by just selling CDs and merch and stuff, and and making some pretty good money. Right. But then once the illegal downloading came in, that was completely over for any of the blue collar musicians. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think like, oh, well, those guys are rich; they're not going to miss the money. And those guys don't like Metallica and stuff because uh, they make millions touring. But for a blue-collar type musician, that's what the, uh, the downloading wiped out. Because when I'd go up and say, hey, you want to buy a CD, people would go, oh, man, my buddy, he burned it for me. Thanks, dude, we love it. You know? Yeah. Like right to your face. And you're like, uh, yeah, he, 
You stole it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, people don't see it that way, though, man. That kind of wiped it out. So yeah. I just uh, I went from playing full band, and I took it as far as I could, then playing solo acoustic, and then I just tapped out. Well, that's why you kick ass on the on the uh, goddamn comedy jams with the, when all the comics get together and play rock tunes. And I remember Bill Burr telling me, uh, like, what a badass you were. He's like, dude, he can sing Bon Scott like Bon Scott. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, if, if you YouTube it, Dean Del Rey. Bilber ACDC. I just put on a huge show in LA, and it was like uh, Nikki Six and uh, and Rudy Sarzo and Scott Ian Burr on drums. Uh, <laughs> all the all these giant rock star people, and we played the Power Age record, forty year anniversary oh, wow. of the Power Age record, top to bottom, and uh, it was it was pretty incredible. Who who uh, played? I mean, you look over and there's Nikki Six. You know, playing uh, kicked in the teeth again and stuff like that. It was amazing. So, uh, wh- who do you prefer to have on the podcast? I mean, you hang around with comics all the time, uh, and there's so many great conversations you have with uh, these super funny people. But some of the music stuff, it seems like when I hear you talking to musicians versus comedians, the passion that you have for music comes out. The well, Ben, I, Mo- I mean, I, that Ben Montench interview you have is fantastic, man. I, yeah, I, I mean, I when I started the podcast, you know, uh, like Mark Maron's one of my mentors, you know, besides Burr. Those two guys were my guys. But when I started it, you know, I was like six years ago. Now it's been six years, and now it feels like in the last year people are finally finding it. I'm like, wow. But when I started, I was like, I don't want to interview comics. I mean, Marin at the time was only interviewing comics, and he was just, he was killing the game, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, what if I interviewed uh, musicians like myself at the time uh, who, you know, and ask them if they always wanted to do comedy? That was my <laughs> corner on it. Because since I was a musician and then started comedy, I figured I'd interview someone and then at the end go, hey, you ever thought about doing comedy? And that was my way into podcasting. And then, and I also knew a bunch of people um, that I could interview for the first year. And then that quickly ran out. And for the last six years, I've been, you know, no manager, no agent or anything, just hustling these guests from the street. You know, like if I see someone in L.A., like, oh, we do my podcast. And then I get out of here. You know, yeah. how did you get Henry Rollins? Man, that took five years, you know? Like, I went to see him uh, do a live photo show, waited in line to meet him, and then said, will you do the podcast? He was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, dream guest gone. And then uh, I just, you know, I just stay on it, you know, yeah. through Twitter, being out there uh, in the mix. And eventually the show has started to get some pretty good credibility and people are like yeah i'll do that you know mm-hmm. but uh early on i got some guests that really helped you know like uh jerry casali from devo that was one of my dream guests you know i worshiped devo growing up yeah I, I i don't think a lot of people they think that they're just the whippet band but they're so much bigger than that you know the last studio record they put out was fantastic i went and saw them on that tour i couldn't believe how good it was that band is so underrated because that's a typical thing of like you know whip it was there you know it helped them but also i think like 
it gave them all these part-time fans that just think it's just some 80s band, but they're monumental in the punk rock world, you know? Mm-hmm. And well, you had a gr- what they did, man. That's crazy. Yeah. You, you had a great conversation with Henry Rollins. I really dug that episode. But the one with Jay Blakesburg I really like, too, the photographer, because you have a, an affinity for these guys who capture the scene. But in your discussion with them uh, and talking about the dead and you talk about how you kind of have recently or at least, you know, semi-recently sort of uh, embraced the, that kind of jam band scene as a live music experience, what do you make of the bands like The Dead, uh, Journey, Foreigner, that go out without the original members and continue to put on these shows and continue the legacy of the band, but it's not the original product? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a tough game. With, the, with Foreigner, I, I got no love for Foreigner, and I'm just being honest, because at, at many times there's no original members in the band. If Mick's not out... Sometimes Mick won't play, and he's right. the only last member. Uh, I got nothing for that. Uh, you know, with the dead, I there's a thing about it that, you know, it's it's a tough gig because Jerry's gone, but they they seem to do it so good. I've I've went to see it a few times, you know, and it's not just this cash, you know, grab the money thing. They play a different set list every night. They do all kinds of different things. They actually do the work. But these other bands that just kind of throw together, uh, you know, something and just go out and play county fairs forever, it just ruins the legacy, you know? Yeah. I mean, so, I think I, that... I don't know. I think that dead thing is going to go on and on and on and on. And we're going to see, you know, people are going to be like, oh, that's Jeff Tremaine, man. He was one of the original of the reboot of the dead. You know, <laughs> well, well, with the dead man, you've got the core there, you know, you've got the core there, but it, you know, like I, I really can't, it, it's, it's a tough thing as a fan. If you don't like it, just don't go. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of these guys over the years, they got ripped off and, uh, you know, don't have any money now. And as a musician, I can relate. I, I got lucky and was able to get into the comedy world with a lot of hard work and stuff. But, I mean, a lot of those guys, what are they going to do? Just, like, start working at a bank or something? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's why so they I kick off know. early a lot of times. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, you know, for me. I mean, as a fan, I, I just don't go see the stuff I don't believe in. But uh, I would be a hypocrite because today is the birthday of Back in Black. And my favorite band is ACDC, and my favorite singer is Bon Scott. And he died... And they got Brian Johnson, and they made one of the greatest records of all time. Mm-hmm. So if I wouldn't be a guy that just rode off a band, you know, when something happened, I wouldn't be listening to that band now. Right. And man, that that Back in Black record, and for those about to rock, and Flick of the Switch, which is very underrated, are monsters. So the next uh, um, episode of Let There Be Talk that I have queued up, we're talking to Dean Delray, comedian and host of Let There Be Talk podcast. The next one I have queued up is Jay French. I'm looking forward to hearing this because I didn't realize what a great story the Twisted Sister story was until I saw the documentary. And that, to me, I love stuff like that where guys are like grinding it out in a tri-state area situation. They basically are like, let's play the five boroughs in Jersey and just get huge by just playing nonstop. And to your earlier point, they did the work. Those guys busted their ass 
and they were starving artists. Man, that documentary, I don't care if you like rock, country, soul, or whatever, that is an incredible movie about passion. Agreed, you know, and yeah. about hard work, and that thing is so insane. And, and that's another band that was cursed by their 80s hit because, you know, we're not going to take it. Everybody are like, oh, that's that band, you know, they... I want to rock or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's so much more than that, man. And 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 to watch that documentary and to see over and over and over record companies saying no, 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 and they're like, we don't care, we're still going to play. We sell out arenas with no record deal. They're doing five thousand seats. <laughs> that is incredible, man. I'm trying to do fifty seats out on the road. You know, yeah. <laughs> And, and, and I'm and I'm I've got a hit podcast and and I'm all over the place and I'm like where is everyone you know and uh, yeah they like built up to play the Palladium right like and and everyone in the industry is like who the hell are these guys and they sold it out in like ten minutes yeah and, and the funniest thing is is like you know record companies that's how dumb they were it's like I would have saw that and went. Yeah, just sign these guys. Even if we sell all the records in Jersey, we sold more than <laughs> right. the 20 bands we signed last month, you know? Right. Dean Del Rey is the host of Let There Be Talk. you got to check out this podcast. Make sure you see him uh, when he's doing comedy out on the road, too. Where are you headed to uh, this weekend? Are you going to be doing uh, shows? I'm going to Montreal. Oh, uh, just for, for laughs. Just for laughs comedy fest. Nice. Yeah. Which Good. is uh, an honor. I, I started comedy at 44 years old. Here I am at 52. I feel like Twisted Sister. They're like, ain't going to happen, dude. You're too old. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and boom, there I am at the biggest comedy festival in the world. You know, so that feels pretty good. Right on. Well, congrats to you. Continued success, and I hope you'll join us again in the future. Dean Delray, man. Kick ass in Montreal. Thanks, dude. All right, man. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Right on. Just for laughs this weekend, and you can catch him on uh, the podcast, Let There Be Talk, and uh, it's it's an incredible podcast for music and comedy fans. Check it out. That's Dean Delray. DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports live from Steelers training camp, St. Vincent College in Latro. Mike. Sports is our brought to you by Barstool Sports. Rough and Rowdy Brawl, August the 5th. Adam Berry of MLB.com summed up the Pirates in the wake of their 9-4 win in Cleveland last night thusly, and I quote, their young rotation has stabilized, their bullpen has taken shape, and their lineup is pounding opposing pitching staffs. Uh, Check, check, and check. The Pirates stretched their winning streak to 11 consecutive games with that win last night over the Tribe. That's Pittsburgh's first 11-game winning streak since September of 1996, the Pirates have scored elite runs in seven consecutive games for the first time since 1946. They are third in the NL Central Division, six games behind the division-leading Chicago Cubs, and they are fifth in the chase for one of the two National League wildcard spots, three games behind Atlanta and Arizona, which are in a virtual tie for that second wildcard spot. One more In Cleveland this afternoon, the Pirates go for a three-game sweep in the ballpark formerly known as the Jake. Jamison Tyone, 7-7 for the Pirates with a 3.80 ERA. He'll be opposed by Trevor Bauer, 8-6, 2.44, 
for the Indians. The Steelers are due to show up at St. Vincent College and check in by 4 p.m. today. They're coming off a 13-3 and regular season. Uh, the 13 wins tying for the most in the NFL, but uh, they hit the wall quickly in the postseason. A disastrous 45-42 to loss at home to the Jacksonville Jaguars ended the Steelers' Super Bowl dreams uh, to kind of continue setting the table here from St. Vincent for what we are about to receive. Let's uh, revisit Vince Williams talking last year on uh, Locker Room Cleanup Day or Clean Out Day about uh, all the Steelers endured in 2017. You know, for me personally, this is the most adversity I've ever been through in a football season that had nothing to do with football. It's crazy. I'm talking about the incident in Chicago where we were misunderstood with the incident with Al. You know, that was crazy. I'm talking about the Martavius tweets. You know, that was crazy. Just some other things. A.B. getting hurt. You know, him missing some time. You know, that was difficult. Ben saying after the first Jacksonville game he didn't know if he still had it. You know, all that stuff is adversity. Even build up into the season. We had El Bell have a kind of hold out, not be at camp. You know, we just had like a lot of media adversity this year. Uh, it's the most I've ever been a part of since I was a student. Interesting he called that media adversity. Uh, also interesting that he called Martavis Bryant Martavius. I was just going to say, it reminds me of Plexico, which was spelled Plexico, but everyone called him Plexico, and San Antonio Holmes, which became San Antonio Holmes from Coach Cower. There's like, uh, there's no uniformity here. No. Uh, <laughs> Martavius seems to be an acceptable pronunciation. I guess that's the more common derivative. Uh, they don't have to worry about that anymore. There are some <laughs> other concerns. Uh, a lot of guys, uh, including Martavius, uh, have been shown the door. But uh, some new guys on board and uh, guys who are expected to uh, help the Steelers do better in the postseason than they did last postseason one of those number one pick Terrell Edmonds uh, he got his contract done yesterday so he is scheduled to report on time today and uh, he's a guy who's been looking forward to training camp ever since he emerged from OTAs and mandatory veteran minicamp thinking as if uh, the transition from Virginia Tech was going smoothly Honestly, I'm not surprised. Uh, they told me that it wasn't going to be like a insane jump from the guys that uh, previously went to Virginia Tech, but it's, it's definitely been a little bit of a jump from college, so still trying to compete, get ready to throw on the pass and really play some real football now. Yeah, Edmonds uh, thinks he can play in the NFL, and he knows that uh, rookie number one pick or not, uh, he'll arrive here at St. Vincent College understanding that there are expectations. Yeah, it's all good now. It's no more you're a rookie because you got to step up. It's either you got to make a play or you're not going to make a play. There's no time to think about that. You're just here still learning because it's going to move on without you if you don't learn it. So you got to pick it up fast, and now it's time to get right and put on the pass. Veteran running back Stephen Ridley was acquired late last season. He'll get uh, his first look at St. Vincent, and Ridley is uh, under the assumption that there should be expectations for the entire Steelers team based on all he thinks the Steelers have going for them. Everything, man, everything. It's a stacked team, very talented guys, a lot of veterans, a lot of young guys that are talented. But uh, there's nothing that we're lacking. We just got to put it together, you know, and become one unit. So uh, I think we got a bunch of great individuals, and uh, that's going to take us, you know, some chemistry and some timing. But uh, I think we got as good a chance as anybody coming here to do something special this year. Yeah, I think that's overstating it a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open camp here, guys, uh, expecting a division championship, and then we'll see. Mm-hmm. Now, of yeah. course, sub- subject to change, you know, 
as as all things are. But uh, I, I don't see this team as on the cusp of the Super Bowl as I did a year ago. Nor do I, but uh, that can change very quickly. Burnett makes a big difference. The defensive line with a, a healthy Stewart, uh, uh, to it from the start. And Hargra- Hargra- Justin Hargrave got hurt uh, at the end of last year. He was playing with a bad back. That was a factor. Mm-hmm. You know, So all kinds of things can make a different, but difference, but not having Ryan Shazier really tough also Gilbert not suspended you know there's a lot of differences although Hubbard was very good in his stead last year yeah. uh, Mike Pursuit alive from Steelers training camp we're going to check in more with Mike tomorrow taking a quick break now Mark Madden joins us on the DVE it's the DVE morning show idiocracy it's one of them it's one of the idiocracies Mark Madden is joining us right now from 105.9 The X where he is celebrating the Pirates winning streak and very excited Steeler training camp. Steeler training camp. What a time to be alive. Mario is selling his mansion. If you call that living. Are you uh, are you in the running for Mario's mansion? No, that's 66 bucks he tacked on to the end of the price. That that just made it too much for me. <laughs> yeah, otherwise you were in the running. 17 fireplaces. Yeah, he likes fire. I, I, just, I can't even imagine what that place looks like. It's beautiful. It's a resort. I looked it up. It's a flipping resort. Yeah, well, wonder why he's selling it. I always assumed he'd maintain the home there. I thought that's where he was going to retire. I thought he was just like, eh. Well, yeah, but you know, most you know the family up there. There's not much left, you know. So I, Mm -hmm. I, I think Florida is going to be the destination. Oh, the warm weather is a little more alluring for the uh, kids. The golf weather too for the old man. Sorry, not not old. I meant uh, middle aged. Oh, called Mario old. (laughs) That'll cost you. Uh, went to the Eagles last night. So tell me about it? that show because what from what I've read so far today, it sounds like it was the Vince Gill Joe Walsh show. Uh that's not inaccurate. Uh I mean Henley did all his stuff. It wasn't like Henley was, you know, shoved aside for Vince Gill and Joe Walsh, but Vince Gill performed the majority of the Glenn Fry numbers. I mean Deacon Fry pitched in too, but he's clearly just there because he's a fry. Mm-hmm. He, he's not bad. No, but it's legacy. He invokes his dad, no question, and he did he did a decent enough job. But uh, at one point, I think three of the four songs were Joe Walsh songs. Uh, what I found odd about the show, and I, I thought it was very good, the Eagles are very precise. This was sold out, right? I mean, this was a jam packed show. If not, then close to close to. I didn't see many empty seats. God, they make so much money. Uh, the Eagles are always very precise. They play note for note. The exceptions being the Joe Walsh songs, which sometimes you know. Joe's off the rails, so they sometimes go off the rails. But here were the two things about the show that struck me odd. The audience was quiet. Oh, yeah. They weren't weren't anti. They They were were receptive. But they, yeah, they were polite. Good word. And the volume on the music was lower than any I've ever heard at a rock show. You had to really work to listen. I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying that's bad. It was very clear. But it was the lowest volume I've heard at a rock show. Yeah, at Hall and Oates I went to, and I didn't even wear ear- earplugs. It was that low in the arena. Oh, there, there was at one point on some of the songs, because one thing about the Eagles, people sing along. <laughs> and I wanted to eliminate the people around me singing. So I actually, the volume was so low, I cupped my ears to get more of the volume from the stage. I, I've never done that at a rock show. Well, I, the problem that happens when they keep the volume low is that demands that people behave so when you're in a theater that's easy 
you know, people are just somewhat conditioned when they're in a theater to sit there and, you know, mind their their neighbors and whisper. When you're in an arena at a rock show, you feel, you know, you got a beer in your hair. You're going, hey, dude, remember when they played this? You know, and then if it's there's, not there's loud enough. There's way too enough, much conversation at rock shows in general. you hear everybody's yes. conversations going on. Yes, uh, no, no question. Uh, one, one other thing that was odd, no Don Henley solo songs, like no Heart of the Matter. Really? No Boys of Summer. That's because he wants to make money going out on tour with those. I don't think he has as, well, no, I'm probably wrong about that. I was going to say I don't think he has as many as Joe Walsh, but he probably does. Well, Joe Walsh, I mean, he did five songs and only one was an Eagles song. And wow. that was in the city, which which I think he recorded solo first, if memory serves. He... Uh, I will always remember the opening set he did for that Tom Petty Heartbreaker show. Yeah, I was there. I was there for that. That that was the best opening act I've ever seen. It was right there. Because Tom Petty let him have lights and the full PA and, you know, it wasn't one of those. And uh, Joe has a great songbook, too. That's the other thing. Joe and, has, but his playing was exceptional. Yeah, it always too. is. It always is. He he is a consummate rock star, even at yeah. his age. I, I enjoy Joe Walsh a great deal. In fact, I dare say I like the opening set for Tom Petty. That Joe did more than I liked the Eagles show last night. Oh, that's interesting. And that's not a knock on the Eagles show. I just, it, it, I have some weird taste in that regard. I prefer Joe Walsh to the Eagles. I also prefer yeah. Paul McCartney to the Beatles. No. I do. But the the Eagles, there's something about what they're doing that seems joyless to me. Well, that, like I said, the note for note recreation of the albums. Uh, but, like, they hated each other. Well, they but t- don't you agree they're an important American band? Among the Absolutely. most. That, that they yeah. spearheaded a, a movement, a way of music, that California-type well, yeah. rock and roll? I mean, Graham Parsons, you know, was basically the Abraham yes. of that entire yes. genre. And the, if not for them popularizing it, yeah, we might not have a million different bands that we have today. If you like the Avet Brothers, you probably have the Eagles to thank in a weird way. Another thing to, to, about last night's show that, that kind of struck me, it sounded like a country show, and I think that was because of the lower volume. And Vince it was, Gill. It was more countrified than I ever heard the Eagles. i got to imagine Vince Gill's licks are less petty, or less fry, and more Chet Atkins-y. If that's true, I didn't notice it specifically, but but I'm sure you're right. Or and just the twang in his voice, because he's, he's got a little bit of a southern lilt, right? It, 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 that's another thing about the Joe Walsh shows. The Joe Walsh shows, in in terms of tone and execution, are so much different than the Eagles shows. Mm-hmm. When you see Joe Walsh solo, it's almost hard to believe he's in the Eagles, too. So what solo tunes did Joe Walsh play? Well, uh, James Gang, Funk 49. You do Funk 49. Uh, Walk Away. Two, uh, two classic badass tunes that are hard for anybody to do, and he can still do them at 60-whatever. Life's Been Good, That's Rocky Mountain Way, In the City. Those were the Joe songs. So he was doing Rocky Mountain Way opening for the Eagles way back in the day, and the Eagles would jump on stage and jam yes, with him. Yes, And that's kind of when their relationship started, as per the documentary. Yes. That is one of the great documentaries. The Eagles... History of the oh, Eagles. Yes. That that got me re-interested in the Eagles. I just that, could, that's why I've gone to Eagles shows since then. It surprised me how willing they were to make themselves look bad and keep it on camera. There were no sympathetic figures at all. No. Like, like it is, it, the same is true. Do you read Felder's book? No, because I have no sympathy for Felder. Well, here's the thing. When you read the book, you still won't have any sympathy for Felder. He might be the dumbest person in rock and roll history. Well, it, it, I get why he feels wronged. He has he it, has an argument. Yeah, but it's not a good one. Correct. Like, like, the argument when the Eagles reformed was, 
Fry and Henley, I'm sure in, in, in totally condescending fashion, sat everybody down and said, look, this is like a football team, and we're the star quarterback and running back. Mm-hmm. Ergo, we're taking two shares. The rest of you are taking one apiece. Right. I would think that should have been good enough for Felder. I think after being... And, and what Henley and Fry said was right. It was, again, condescending, but correct. Yeah. Like when Glenn Fry said to uh, the manager of Don Felder, I'm sorry you represent the only a-hole in the <laughs> Eagles, but if your guy doesn't sign by midnight tonight, he's fired. Like, and, and uh, I just kept thinking, like, wouldn't you have said, hey, can I do that over? <laughs> I sound a little bit too much like a jerk. In, in the Felder book, Felder calls Fry after he gets fired. And he thinks that Fry won't pick up the phone. So it turns out Fry can't wait to pick up the phone. <laughs> and Fry says, he goes, hey, Felder, guess what this means? I never get another letter from your lawyer complaining about your split again. Yeah. I, I mean, the Hotel California argument. There's some merit to it. What do you mean? Did he wrote it? Yeah. Well, he didn't write the lyrics, but he played a big part in the construction of that song. Well, he initiated the song. Right. But he got no royalty for that. He got no writing credit for that. No publishing. No, he's on the the credits. Then what was his beef about that? What did he bitch about? (laughs) I wrote Hotel California, and that means I should get what I want. That, I mean, like, seriously. So he, he got a, a songwriting credit it's, look, look, equal look, with Felder? and yes. So oh, I thought they Lennon and McCartney or Jagger Richard him out of that. No, no, no. No, no. He's still on the credits. Oh. The only thing they did do was when they reissued albums and, you know, put them on compilations, he was moved to the end of the line for the songwriting credits. Like the third guy listed. But he's on the credits. Yeah. Don Felder, Don, Don Henley, and Glenn Fry. So what is he even pissed about? I don't even get it. Because he wanted to be an equal partner. And I bet for them, it wasn't even so much about the money as they were like, yeah, we don't want to hear that guy's opinions the whole tour. Who, who's this pissant? Yeah. Who does he think he is? You know, and, and the show does not suffer for him not being there. Not one little bit. It, you know, you could miss Fry, no question. But you didn't. You don't miss Felder. So will you go to see Fleetwood Mac with... Mike Campbell and the um, uh, guy from Squeeze, or Crowded House, Neil. Finn. Thank you. Uh, would I? Yeah. I don't know when it is, but yeah, I would go. November 1st. So the lack of Lindsey Buckingham wouldn't keep you from going there. I was just talking to Dean Delray about this, and I know you and I have talked about it. By the way, you should have him on your show. He's great. Well, I, you see, now that you say it like that, because I consider Lindsey Buckingham to be the primary component of Fleetwood Mac. Of the second Fleetwood Mac, he's the pillar. Yes, yes exactly. So, but I, I, you know, I just like to go. I just want to hear the songs. That's what it is now. You just yeah. want to hear the songs. Yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no shame in that. Like I'm going to see Leonard Skinner. They got one guy, and he barely yeah. plays because he doesn't feel well. The problem, the only problem I have with Skinner is not that it's down to one guy. It's that Johnny Van Zant misrepresents what Ronnie Van Zant stood for. Oh, I know. And but, it but, really drives me crazy. Saturday Night Special was anti-gun. Right. No no question. And then Skinner with Johnny Van Zandt did that, what was that goofy song, God, Guns, and Glory? Or, I don't know. Or whatever Red, it was. Red, white, but, and blue. But, but here's the thing. I have no interest in anything they did after the plane crash in terms of you know new musical output. Mm-hmm. And they don't play that stuff except for maybe one token song. Right. It's still really good. I don't disagree with you. The, the amazing thing about Skinner is the guys who replaced the guys who died are dead too. 
I mean, they, they, they've they've gone through how many? They got how many dead bass players? Leon Wilkerson, uh, Ian Evans. It just guys keep dropping. I remember interviewing Ricky Medlock a couple of years ago, and he was great. And we had this awesome conversation, and he really helped me sort of be okay with where Skinner is. But um, and, and you know why it's important to keep that legacy alive. I do think they're the most misunderstood rock band of the classic also. rock era. Well, I think people just the the people who love them get it. But people who who are like sort of periphery music fans hear Skinner and they think, huh, Confederate flag, country bumpkins, it's like country oh, no, rock. You see, I consider them to be very anglicized. I think they play an English, almost Zeppelin-esque style of rock. Uh, I see. I would or, disagree or, or, with you there. Or rather did in their recorded output before the plane crash. I think the mer- musical virtuosity of that band gets lost. That you had Billy Powell who was... That's kind of what I said, but yeah. No, you said Eng- they were like the English. Like, no, no, their 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 musical virtuosity is plentiful. Oh yeah, was plentiful. Yeah, um, but that had to do with Rosington and Collins being badasses. Uh, who, which is the guy that died in the plane crash? Steve Gaines. He was awesome. Yeah, he was only on the one album, but 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 it, what what made them was their song structure. Yes, they they really they wrote southern rock songs that were just southern enough. They weren't dripping. With with Southern, they they were just Southern enough, and I think that's why they were so mainstream in in their heyday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but well, I I I, I kind of don't have anything against anybody putting the music out there. I'm I'm getting less and less kind of like oh that's BS. I just because Dean Delray, I just asked him and he said Foreigner is the one he can't abide. That why not? Because they go out with no original members too often. Sometimes they do. But usually Mick Jones is there. Yeah, you're a defender. You should have Dean on your show. He was great. I, Let I, there, his, his show, Let There Be Talk podcast, is, is awesome. Did you ever hear my Mick Jones interview story? No. I interviewed Mick Jones when Jonathan Edwards was in the band. That was one of their, you know, non-Lou Graham singers. Sunshine go away Different one, today. I think. But they had they had a single, Low Down and Dirty, which was pretty good. But they weren't selling the album. Mm-hmm. They weren't selling tickets. Lou Graham eventually did come back. And, and, and just side note, the reason Lou Graham doesn't play now is it because he can't sing? It's because after the brain surgery, he just can't tour. He can sing occasionally. I, just, I thought it was health related. Do the occasional show, but he can't tour. Yeah. And Mick Jones wants to make a living. But so Mick Jones was doing interviews. I was at the Post Gazette, and uh, I figured I'd screw with him a little bit because I'm a kid and I'm a punk. And my first question was, "Hey Mick, did you ever think about grabbing Mick Jones from the Clash and forming the Mick Jones Band?" I stole that from Cream, by the way, and. Uh, Long pause. I figured he'll snap back at me. It'll be like this this feisty interview. And he says, no, young man, that thought honestly had not occurred to me. And I'm thinking, oh, wow. Now I'm the jerk. Now I'm the a-hole. He turned it around. Correct. By the time the interview was over, I wrote this glowing thing. Mm-hmm. Come see Foreigner. Jonathan Edwards is great. Lou who? He was like the only guy who ever like just stuck it right back up my backside. And I respect that. That's Mark Madden. He respects guys that stick it up his. You know what? I'm gonna let you just yeah, reword I'll, that. I'll let that. Yeah. Uh, listen to him. 105.9 the X. We got to go. This was a great conversation. Though. It was I really great. enjoyed it. Yeah. Enjoy your diet, right? Cherry cola. Pure zero. Pure zero. <laughs> Named after me. <laughs> you stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him tight, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants, Ronald? Ah. Mm-hmm.